What is this? Is this a shifter car? I cannot drive a shifter car. All right, we got a little situation here. I can't drive these kind of cars. What the fuck is going on? You think that's funny? Would you like to know, smartass? Would you like to know why I can't drive this kind of car? I'll tell you why. I'm used to luxury cars. Have you ever heard of a luxury car? You know what luxury means? Ever heard of Cadillac? Cadillac Eldorado? That's what I drive. I drive cars that shift themselves. My cars shift themselves. They're luxury cars. They shift themselves. Jacob, do you drive a shifter car? I do not. <laughs> uh, but I could. I could. Well, wait, hold on. The shifter car can shift itself. Uh, it can't shift itself. It's a manual. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I do drive a manual car, but oh, there I, you can, go. I can drive a stick. Uh, I actually learned how to drive a stick. Uh, when I bought a, when I needed a car, I bought a used car. I bought a stick, and I learned on the way to work how to drive stick <laughs> based off necessity. Did you burn the clutch or like stall? I like, stalled I... about four times on the way to work. <laughs> oh man, I, I want to learn. Like my dad, uh, I you know he's like, um, uh, I guess he's going through his midlife crisis. He bought a, a manual Mustang. Okay. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I want to learn how to drive it. <laughs> Because, you know, it's essential for uh, zombie survival, man. You got to learn how to drive a stick, man. <laughs> I actually I actually like it, especially living in L.A. because um, there's always traffic around. Right. And it actually keeps you, you know, like you having to shift or downshift and stuff. It keeps you like aware, you know, of your mm. surroundings and whatnot. And it actually it's better on gas with the whole gas crisis that we're having right, right now. It's it's like I, I prefer to have one, but uh, I don't currently have one. Nice. Well. Yeah, I mean, I, I've heard too from other people. It's just you feel like you're driving more. Like it, yes. it feels, yeah. And I, you know, I'm I'm a big driver. I love driving. Bit of a speed freak. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. But I didn't even formally introduce you. So, uh, our guest today on Movie Food is a scholar of the sweet science, Jacob Rivera. Welcome to the show. I've uh, thank you for having me. It's uh, exciting to. Uh, you know, I've been listening to the show since its uh, iteration and a uh, big fan of you. I've heard you on other podcasts before and uh, I got to actually meet you uh, when I was in New York. Uh, and uh, I think we even took a picture. I have it somewhere uh, awesome. locked away. Uh, but uh, yeah, you know, I'm glad we were able to get together. We'll get yeah, together man. live. Some Finally, point. it's it's been a long time coming. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm almost uh, complete with my uh, with my collection of podcasters. Like I I, I, I just need zebras. That's my last on my list, but I'm I'm going through everybody bit by bit. So yeah, it's so good to have you. And you know, I'm a big fan of yours too on the pod. And you know, we've been keeping in touch off record. And you know, I, I I'm a fan of you just as a person. You know, it's like I feel like you're a stand up guy, good I dad. Appreciate that. You know. So yeah, man. Hell yeah. I, I try. I try. You know, it's. Uh, <laughs> I think it's uh, it's, of course, one of the most important jobs in the world. Or if the most important job in the world because you know you're you're uh shaping you know people that are gonna you know come out to be uh in the future and you know engage with society and hopefully i can impart some uh some good movie knowledge on, on them and you know steer awesome. them in the right direction so they don't become one of the you know i guess the mouth breathers that, uh, <laughs> that go in the film watch, twitter you know, people. <laughs> uh, yeah oh man uh so what have you been watching with them Actually, I've been watching a lot of like kind of um, movies from like my childhood, uh, like, oh, you know, that, you know, I, per- 
personally i uh, from a young age i was watching like stuff that i probably shouldn't be watching like rated r movies and <laughs> you know probably from like the age five and and on uh, i remember i used to go to school and people would be like oh what'd you do this weekend i'd be like oh my dad took me to go watch uh, i don't know you know this movie and they're like how did you get in like that's you know that's rated r like my parents won't let me watch that it has too much violence or too much cussing or you know like sexual things in it and, and i was like every weekend it was like uh, i was watching whatever the 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 big release was uh, for that time so but um you know my wife's a little bit more careful with them as far as uh, what they can and cannot watch um so i haven't like i guess busted open the the uh the uh, some of the stuff that i would like them to to be able to watch um but uh things like uh never ending story Labyrinth, oh yeah um, that shit. what you know a bunch of older cartoons and stuff like that like the rescuers um, oh yeah the great mouse detective mm-hmm. uh you know we've uh i'm trying to think of the other stuff that we saw flight of the navigator uh et home alone you know it's, it's very softball stuff you know not not yeah. not too edgy but uh they did watch the 89 batman okay um and uh i actually just showed them the uh the animated um what do you call it the mask of the phantasm oh yeah that that's my favorite batman movie yeah it's a lot of people's favorites Batman. yeah movies. i mean i like it a lot but it's not my favorite but okay uh, um but uh and they watched the animated series and actually just this this weekend i started them on the x-men uh 89 animated series oh, uh, which, nice. which i was a huge fan of when i you know when i was a kid i used to watch it after school so so they're they're getting into that same yeah like my favorite was like the end credits with the 3d models oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like and the, showing their abilities and everything yeah oh so good Oh man, and yeah, they're kind of bringing it back, right? Like, there's gonna be yes. like, oh, but uh, I, I'm, I'm just dreading it. Like, oh, everything Marvel touches these days is just oh, awful. Yeah, I mean, they're they're on a really bad streak. I, I can't, hmm. I, I haven't even watched any of the new movies or the shows or anything like that. Like, I'm, and yeah. I just hear nothing but terrible things. So I'm yeah. just like, I'm not motivated. Same thing with the uh, Star Wars. You know, I'm not motivated to watch any of the shows or you know this what they're trying to do and you know i just yeah you know i i have the original trilogy and i can rewatch that and and that's fine with me yeah you're i mean you're better off i think just spending your time watching like even like you were saying re-watching quality stuff or just yeah. discovering stuff from like people whose tastes you trust and you know go with that you know right and yeah. I've always said that that's like the sign of a great movie is the rewatchability. Like, you absolutely. Know, yeah. You know, because I could watch a movie that I've seen, you know, 50 times. And if I still get enjoyment out of it, even though I know what's going to happen, even though, you know, like the, the tension isn't the same as when I first saw it or, you know, if it's suspenseful or whatever, but I still get joy out of it and, and it still hits that nerve. So to me, those are like great movies. Awesome. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. And then like for me, and I probably mentioned this on the pod before, like uh, a sign that I need to rewatch something is if I've forgotten how it ends. Right. You know, so yeah, it's like, oh, man. I, and yeah, we're, we're definitely going to bring that up, uh, I think, as this uh, episode progresses. For so, sure. um, yeah, I mentioned you're a scholar of the sweet science. So I need <laughs> to know if you were a boxer, what would be your entrance music? Yeah, this I've I've had this uh, on my <laughs> mind before. Um, it's going to either be two, one of two things. So I I was a big Simpsons fan, and I, I when Homer uh, becomes a boxer, he comes out to "Why Can't We Be Friends." Uh, <laughs> 
which I thought was always funny and it would be cool to come out to, you know, um, something yeah. like that. Um, oh, so good. But, uh, but also, you know, just in, in all seriousness, it would probably be Rage Against the Machine, Bulls on Parade. I, that's oh, probably one of my yeah. most favorite songs ever. Oh, yeah. Such a hype song. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you got to have the, you know, when you're like warming up in the ring, you know, like stretching and stuff, you got to have the part where um, uh, Tom Morello does his uh, solo with his whammy bar. <laughs> right. It's like, oh, right. bulls on parade, man. Incredible. I, ha- I have to, I have to, uh, you know, I, I can't run to the, you know, to the, to the ring. I got to take my time so we can oh, get yeah. to that, that part of the bridge, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I, I was just thinking about it too, because I've been listening to evil empire recently. I'm like, this is my favorite rage album. Like evil empire is just hit after hit. Even like the B sides are just so good on it. Yeah, I actually it is my favorite uh, Rage mm. album. Also, I, I I can recognize that the first their first album, the self title album, is you know is you know I guess I, I don't want to say it's better because it's all like you know taste. It's based on mm-hmm. taste, but I can see why somebody would say that that's like the height of, of Rage. But uh, I think I I don't know. I I like the bull. I like um Evil Empire. Favorite. Yeah, I mean it's just even the design of the album, like the mm-hmm. cover, the the insert that has the um all those books you know and a lot of them are kind of communist books like the anarchist cookbook right uh, which i guess is anarchist but um like uh uh i remember it was it had like france fanon Mm -hmm. um and uh johnny got his gun like all this stuff it just mind-blowing to me and like you know rage was my favorite band growing up and the thing that always stood out to me was they always had that line on like the notes which said like all sounds are made by guitar bass and vocals and drums like it was like not nothing else yeah i've I've actually seen rage probably the that was my first concert ever went to was a free show at the at the and rancho dominguez at the villadrome and then i remember they were like I think they were an hour and a half late or two hours late, but it was a free show. So like, what are you going <laughs> to yeah, do? Yeah, You can't complain. Yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah, but, um, but I also was at, uh, when they did the, um, the protest at the, um, uh, outside the democratic convention, I remember I was at work and they, they said, Oh, the rage is going to be there. They're going to be in the parking lot. And I was like, I just told work. I'm like, I'm out of here. I, I gotta go. I gotta go see this. I jumped on the train, jumped on the blue line, went down Holy to shit. LA got to like you know pretty much to the front of the thing you know enjoyed the concert and of course the cops chased us up <laughs> Figueroa, and then we had to you know find our way back to uh to home classic man oh man yeah that's so amazing oh yeah that those were the times i mean i wish i was i was in la when rage was around like at that peak and then you know also tool and you know all these bands from la right um but yeah uh the weird thing though going back to that the the sound uh thing is that i don't know i've i've just listened to people of the sun so many times like i really feel like there was somebody in the studio who accidentally like hit a piano key and it's in the recording like if you listen to the intro of the song you know when you know zach uh you know at first it's the drums and you know like uh, uh tom's like kind of guitar and then um yeah, this, I just I've heard it so many times. Like I actually hear the sound of somebody like 
accidentally pressing a piano piano key. So like, <laughs> yeah, I no, don't know it's if fun, you've heard it's it. Fun, it's funny you say that. I'm I'm gonna listen to that. I actually have that in my CD player as 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 we speak in my car. So I'm gonna I'm gonna look. Oh up yeah, dude. Yeah, but there just, is. I can't. I think it's on the Evil Empire um, CD. There's one of the songs ends, and you can kind of hear like almost like a playback. Like it almost sounds like a radio. Mm. It might even be Gorilla Radio. But then I was thinking, you know, on that uh, the kind of the same thing that you were saying. You know, like it says, all sounds are made by, you know, yeah. so I was like, how do they make that sound? And then I was thinking, like, how do they do that? Maybe it was like feedback that got through the guitar or something and like kind of came through. But uh, that's another thing that always like kind of threw me off. Right. Yeah. And the, the other thing, too, is uh, even though they they have that kind of I mean, it was the principle of it, the purest principle of the sound mm-hmm. being that way. Like they were one of the few rock bands in the 90s that never did an unplugged set did you notice that yeah that's true that's true yeah. they never they never did unplug but uh there i mean the reason they were like my favorite band was because their albums sound exactly how they did live you know they oh, it, it yeah. was like you know you, you you'll go see a lot of like bands and you can tell like they're studio bands in the sense that you know the how they play live doesn't you know doesn't translate to the stage you know exactly yeah. you know like they you know the the vocals aren't as good or you know just the, it's just not as clean and yeah. i always like that about rage is like the, it was like kind of raw and just like this is what it is and this is what's going to sound like and you know it's it, and it and it did it you know i went to so many concerts uh, uh, for them and they always sounded great yeah i mean yeah one of my favorite albums of theirs that's the compilation uh live and rare have you listened to that one yeah yeah i, have uh, that I one. mean yeah that's proof right there i, mean, right. Well, I actually yeah. have a bunch of uh i have a, probably about uh, another three additional ones that i used to buy from like you know like like places like fingerprints and stuff like that that used to yeah, like bootleg uh like recordings like live <laughs> recordings are rare like you know songs that hadn't been released before or things like that that they would get a hold of and so i have a couple albums like that uh or cds like that that i still have nice man yeah and you we were talking off record too about like um you know you sound garden and i've been thinking about them too of just like how you know for a mainstream album like super unknown to me is like one of the heaviest sounds like it's just like a huge like wall of sound that it has like it, mm-hmm. I, I remember too like um uh the you know that magazine q it was like a music review yeah, yeah. yeah. magazine yeah their review of super unknown is incredible because they say i remember one of the lines they said is like um Soundgarden sounds like what it sounds like to work out if working out was actually fun like it's like a buff album you know and like yeah it was just that time of like 92 to like maybe 97 just before like basically like new metal really crept in and it was really like corn and limp biscuit and all that shit yeah Uh, (laughs) well i actually love i like a bad motorfinger uh the mm. most uh, as far as the sound garden album oh, i, I yeah, do like yeah. a, a super unknown but uh you know and there's a couple like sneaky tracks on there that you know of course they have their 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 most famous ones like black hole sun and spoon yeah. man and all those ones fell on uh, fell on black days but i like like limo wreck is a, as oh, a, as yeah. a track that so i freaking good. i love that track oh man the day i tried to live that's another yeah, one I tried to live is another yeah one. and um actually one i was listening to today was a uh, fresh tendrils yes ah oh, so good man and it's just um yeah that it, it it's one of those things where sometimes there are tracks that i you know i'm not a big fan of like my wave or half 
you know, but as a whole, like, they, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just like, you know, I think the album's like 70 minutes or something like that, which is right. so long for a rock album, but you know, it just all fits together. But yeah, I understand like Bad Motor Finger is great too. Like, you know, Jesus Christ Postal obviously is such a good track. And um, what's the one that we're, uh, I'm blanking now. And see, this is me like getting Rusty older. Cage. Uh, what's is that the one where he's like mentioning feeling Minnesota and then they titled the Keanu Reeves Cameron Diaz movie after it? And he's like, I'm feeling Minnesota. Oh, I don't. What I don't... what song is that on? <laughs> Hold on. Oh uh, yeah, take... we gotta look this up. <laughs> Maybe that's on the album F. I wonder if that's on no. The that's album definitely F. on Bad Motor Finger. It is on Bad Motor Finger. Yeah, Outshined. Oh, Outshined. Okay, yeah, that's yeah, a great yeah. song too. Yeah, yeah, man. Oh, wow. Yeah, good shit. I mean, I even love the... I mean, to me, like, Soundgarden really ended with... um. I, I never listened to when they reunited. Like, uh, maybe I should now because, you know, R.I.P. Chris Cornell. But um, uh, Down on the Upside was, you know, the album they made after um, uh, Super Unknown and they just broke up after yeah, that. Like, I actually, I, I, I actually I like, like Down on the Upside. It has, yeah, I like it a lot. It's not, it's not, uh, you know, as good as the the previous two. But you know, again, that this rarely happens, right? You know, when mm-hmm. somebody comes out with something like that, you know, you're not going to hit those heights again. But I, I like mm-hmm. it. I, I think there's yeah. some some banger tracks on there. And, mm-hmm. Ty and, Cobb. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I think it's there's some really good stuff on there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and I don't know. I used to li- listen to these things on repeat. And again, kind of the sign of to me of a good great album is something that you can listen front to back, right? Like, right. I don't have to, t- you know, like pick and choose or be like, oh, I'm, I'm just going to keep on listening to these three tracks or whatever. I can just, you know, front to back, it flows really well. And it just kind of, you know, it's an album. Right. Uh, so as opposed to like a single, which, you know, back in the, I guess the, you know, the mid 90s to late 90s, that was like a big thing, like the singles, right? There's yeah. so many albums I bought that you know for the single and then <laughs> and then you know you listen to the rest of the album and you'd be like none of this other stuff is even remotely like the thing that i like and you know did, some of it grew on me some of it didn't but mm-hmm. uh, you know yeah so many bands were guilty of that you know it's like uh it's like they sell you on that and then you know you right. kind of feel like hoodwinked because the al- the rest of the album's not as good oh man well yeah. i mean i have a, I have a theory about about like music in general Mm-hmm. I think, you know, you know, cause even songs that I hate, I still like know the words to, or I can, I know the jingle, I know the words to it. And, and then the reason I think that is, or how, you know, songs get popular, not that there's not a difference between good songs and, and bad songs, but repetition, like, you know, if the radio, you know, gets on a hold of something and just plays it and plays and plays it and it's on multiple stations eventually people will like kind of like it almost like forces you into like uh like submission of liking it and it becomes a hit um but that doesn't mean that it's good right really the sign of good is like okay i can you know i like it now and then whatever 20 years passes and i I, and i can listen to it and be like oh this is a really good song like it you know it's still it still kicks it still has something you know it's not annoying right yeah it's like i yeah i that makes me reflect on just what's popular now or what gets like radio play. And it, that's, you're exactly right. It's just because it, it, they kind of beat you into submission into thinking that, okay, well, you know, it's just, this is supposed to be good. Like um, it took me a while to even just like recognize, I guess like, uh, Oh, 
what's her name? Billie Eilish. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, oh, um, okay. Like, yeah, I mean, she does have vocal talent, but like, yeah, it's just, I don't think she has very good, like, backing music for one. <laughs> like, so it's just, but yeah, people are trying to convince you that this is good shit. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I think her, 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 uh, uh, she has a kind of like, uh, I don't know, like a silent singing like kind of mm-hmm. thing where she's like kind of like she, I don't really see like a vocal range there, but like almost yeah. like a soft like undertone to it. And right. Then, you know, I like some of her stuff, but I mean, as a whole, I wouldn't say she's like, you know, is going to be like in my uh, in my rotation as far as, uh, you know, new music. But I, I can't really relate to pretty much any new music now. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, you know, especially like, you know, a lot of like um, and, and again, like not that I don't like hip hop, but like, you know, there's a lot of hip hop out there and it just sounds like all this, like a lot of it sounds the same. Like even yeah. the beats are very, you know, much the same and there's like no substance to it. And, you know, you go back to like the classics, you know, of, of, you know, when I was growing up and stuff like that. And I'm just like, there's no comparison to me. Yeah, for sure, man. And you are like a true, uh, I mean, would you can, how would you describe yourself? Los Angelino? Is that what, <laughs> what you'd say? I mean, LA native. Yeah. I mean, I was born and raised in Southern California. Um, you know, Los Angeles is a very weird city. You know, it's yeah. so spread out. It's like super spread out. It's, you know, when people think of like, you know, Disneyland, they think LA, but it's not even <laughs> near LA, you know, yeah. like, um, but you know, people that come, you know, from uh, foreigners that come from here and, you know, they're coming here for like a, a trip or a vacation or even to live. And it's like, you know, the certain like iconic things are not even close to, you know, downtown LA and downtown LA, LA is kind of small. If you, yeah. if you really look at it, you know, it's not that big of a, of a, like kind of like a, um, uh, a city. Right. Um, but, uh, and it's not centered, you know, it's like off to the East. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's but, so uh, weird. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've been around all different parts of LA and I, I pretty much lived like, you know, um, I was born in Downey and then I lived in Montebello and, you know, so like on the outskirts of LA and, and right. you know, I, and I've gone into LA for, you know, like, you know, Laker games, of course. And, you know, um, rage concerts, I, yeah, rage, rage, rage <laughs> concerts and, yeah. and things like that, but a lot of boxing, you know, events in, in LA, but you know, I've taken the train, you know, I used to work in Hollywood and I took the train every day, you know, um, you know, mm-hmm. blue line to the, to the red line. And, and so I, I have some familiarity, but I wouldn't, you know, I am a, you know, I guess by proximity, I am a Los Angeles, Los Angelino, but I, you know, there's so much stuff about Los Angeles. I don't know because I didn't like grow up in the heart of it. Right. Well, I, I feel like that's the, the weird thing. Cause even I, I know like people who are just, completely like scholars of the city i mean even my dad you know he's he's lived here for like more than 30 years and he he there's still parts of la he doesn't know either you know but like he's so like imbued in the history of the city and you know he he even has like his own like dvd shelf that's just all la movies Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's how obsessed he is um uh but yeah it's just yeah there's just things that you i i i think it really that's it it's because of the the sprawl and sometimes yeah we just tend to be limited and that was the amazing thing too when i lived in new york that i was blown away by that there's some people who are like that even in new york like they would limit themselves to their borough right i mean especially if you're in manhattan you know it's like they never go to queens they never go to brooklyn you know or the bronx it's like they just stay in manhattan because they're just spoiled there but um you know uh it 
uh, I I forgot there was a movie too where I was it um Bronx Tale where um Chaz Palmentieri like yes. tells yeah it's like what do you need to go to Manhattan for everything is like here right <laughs> yeah yeah I think he 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 wrote that movie and uh, uh, yeah and Robert De Niro directed that but the, yeah. yeah man it's so good and uh, who was the the young uh kid in it um like he was oh, in the sopranos he, yeah he, um, he ended up getting in trouble i think he was like wasn't he involved in like a murder or something like that what that's yeah. crazy i think i didn't I know think, that i think he went to jail or something like that because i think him and a and a friend or whatever like he got into drugs or something like that and he, he was the up, real uh, matthew bevelacqua <laughs> actually yeah i mean because he was Hope a kid him. that sh- that showed a lot of promise uh yeah um, man yeah but uh, yeah, he 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 was a troubled, uh, uh, troubled, uh, troubled youth, you know. And, and of course, that happens with a lot of like you know kids that mm-hmm. become actors. You know, they especially have success mm-hmm. at an early age. Yeah, you know, then they you know they of course they you know people are catering to them. They get involved in a bunch of stuff. But uh, he also had a good part in uh, Crimson Tide too. He was he was yeah. And um, I remember him best uh, aside from The Sopranos was um, he was in uh uh this documentary on abel ferrara okay um called uh, not guilty it's so good it's like such a great new york movie i I mean most of the movie actually just takes place over the course of a night uh, in abel ferrara's life and he just like leads a kind of like uh, i don't want to say chaotic but there's just a lot of people moving in and out of his life and he's always just like moving from one space to another and so some people hang out in his apartment and one of them is that kid, the uh, Lilo Branco. Uh, what is his uh, name? Lilo Brancato. Brancato. Yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, he, he hangs out and he does like this, like incredible, like little bit that he does. I, I don't know if he's actually channeling Pacino or De Niro, but like it's so good. Like he he steals the show in that little moment. You know, so yeah, too bad, man. That that. Yeah, that's he, what yeah, I just looked it up right now. So in 2005, yeah, he was arrested uh, because he, him, and his friend were burglarizing someplace, uh, and they shot a, uh, an officer who died, mm-hmm. and so he was sentenced to 10 years, and he was released in 2013. Wow, that's wild. Yeah, and I mean, basically derailed his career. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Uh, I think he was on a podcast and he like some like interview podcast and he was talking about like, you know, like everything that he did as a kid and, you know, you know, obviously stupid, but, you know, served his time and then got out and was like trying to like, kind of, you know, get his life back together. But oh, I haven't, I haven't seen him in anything since or. Anything. Yeah. Me neither. All right. Well, I guess we've, we've basically started quick cuts. <laughs> so Steve cue the, <laughs> the quick cuts. <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah i mean this is just random before i even ask you um jacob what have you been watching recently um uh did you ever watch the the show the contender the reality uh, the show? Boxing. yeah the boxing show i watched the first season and um i liked it but there was some stuff that i i didn't continue with it and i know they've mm. they've done they've done like further episodes of it um and you know some of the boxers have gone on to to do some stuff but not not anything close to like the ufc and and right. they're like you know like the ultimate fighter and 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 stuff like that which you know i actually i probably own like the first i don't know 15 seasons or something that of the <laughs> ultimate fighter and i have a bunch of uh you know pride i have all this the, all the pride all you know ufc all the way up to like 203 i think you know one from two 
all the way to 203 and some you know king of the cage and stuff like that so i'm i'm big i mean boxing's my first love sport you know it always will be but uh i i do have some love for mma of course gotcha yeah i mean it, it seems like that that's real you know mma has really overshadowed boxing in, in recent years even to the point like even video games because i used to love you know fight night the fight night series oh on, yes on, yeah by yes. ea sports and they yeah. they basically just moved the entire team to work on the ufc games and they've given up on fight night and i'm just like man yeah you know it's funny boxing it definitely is like kind of second fiddle when you when you talk about um you know uh you know i guess recognition as far as mainstream sports but boxing still has its big events that still happen and you know of course like in in the uk you know um they, you know, they do like big, big events there where they sell out like huge, you know, 80,000, you know, plus uh, seat stadiums, um, you know, for like big events like that. But uh, um, they also uh, make a lot more than than UFC fighters. So that hasn't changed at all. You know, they, they can make, you know, 20 million a fight versus, you know, in UFC, I think what the highest one was like maybe 3 million by McGregor. Jeez, yeah, and then you know they get their ass beat a lot more <laughs> in UFC. I mean, you know those injuries are just gruesome sometimes. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, uh, but what you know, the UFC is kind of turning into boxing in a, in a certain in a certain way, where they're starting to like you know like judges' decisions are, are going the wrong way, and and geez. Um, you know uh, champions are only fighting like you know like once a year, if that. Now you know right. So, you know, that happened with boxing, like in the heyday of boxing, you know, you'd get the best fighting the best. There wasn't all this promotional company stuff or all this right. like, you know, politics. Uh, and, you know, now it's just like you're lucky if you if you see a guy fight, you know, once, if tw- maybe twice a year, which is, you know, crazy. But I mean, they make so much money that it, it kind of like they don't need to, you know, like yeah. if you're if you're one of the names, I mean, if you're going to make, you know, three million bucks for one fight a year, I mean, that's that's it's a nice change yeah yeah not bad it's almost like uh the discrepancy too between like say nba players and hockey players you know like the, oh, yeah. the, that that salary discrepancy is right. crazy but yeah i mean i thought that was the beauty of the ufc because compared to boxing because like that was always my issue with boxing was that you know they got to pick and choose who they fought you know right. and there was no like unified league the same way the ufc has or a governing body um and so you know like that made it harder to stay on top uh but now you know if if that if it's moving towards that direction like you're saying towards boxing it's just like man that's gonna suck like, well i mean you ufc try so that ufc had like this competition like pride and k1 and stuff like that and then uh like even uh for a short lived while um what was that clothing line uh um they had their like their own series but so like even ufc now they do have like most of the best fighters on the right. roster but um they have competition still and like bellator is still out there and there's still uh, some other like smaller uh promotional companies that you know still i i guess you can call them like minor leagues i mean they're all trying to get to the ufc um, right you know of course you know money wise and bonus wise but uh but you definitely do see more of the best fighting the best uh, in the UFC uh, mm. than you do in boxing. But right. it, it seems like it is changing, though. Like like I said, uh, there's a lot of fighters out there that don't fight that often. You know, um, maybe like the uh, the ones that are trying to get get to the top. Yeah, they, you know, you'll you'll see them. You know, a lot more. But then, you know, once they get to that that 
to that top spot you know it, there's a lot of politics or a lot of like you know i want to you know i don't keep my belts and mm. you know maybe fight at a different weight and try to be a two belt champion and stuff like that instead of cleaning out the division so you know trying to create like super fights and things like that but i i'm, I'm a firm believer in that there's weight classes for a reason right yeah for sure yeah so jacob i don't know if you ever saw that um there was like this uh thing that trended on twitter for a while where people would pick like four characters from a movie that best represented them so what would be your four characters uh you had to hard ask the hard questions. Uh, <laughs> what would be my four best characters that represent me? Um, I'm gonna say Jesse from the Before Sunrise uh, trilogy because I feel like I'm kind of like that. Uh, maybe like cynical, romantic though uh, uh, person, or like kind of believe in those type of things. Um, sure somebody with a dark sense of humor um <laughs> i'm trying to think but not not too not too crazy maybe that pushes it towards towards the edge that's a hard question <laughs> yeah i had to think about it too so you know i, I don't think i responded yeah, I right the way because somebody somebody tagged put me, put me on the spot in it here. and <laughs> do you want to hear yes. mine while yes. you think yeah, about yeah. yours okay um Okay, so my four, and this is just like me being honest about myself, right. warts and all, uh, would be, and one of them would be uh, Seymour, uh, Steve Buscemi's character from, <laughs> from Ghost World. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, man, I collect records, not 78s, right. but I, I definitely collect vinyl. And uh, yeah, I do have, um, well, it's a consistent theme with actually all four. Which is like uh, this kind of, uh, how would I describe it? Yeah, let's just say I have anger issues. <laughs> so, <laughs> you don't seem that way at all. So, you don't seem that way at all. You seem like no, no, nice not at all. But like it, it comes out, I mean, you know, we, we were talking about driving. Um, you know, like, yeah, it comes out on when I'm driving. You know, it's like I'm so impatient with people right. when I'm driving. Like, I just, I don't know. Like, to me. I just feel like there's so many people that need remedial driving school. Like, you know, yes. like if I was ever governor of the state, like I would require that, like, you know, I would make like, um, you know, highway patrol, pull people over and give them tickets just to do remedial driving school. Uh, because I just see the dumbest shit on the road and like, yeah, that, that's where it comes out. Especially like my, pe one of my biggest pet peeves are people who drive slow in the fast lane. It's just like, what are you doing? Like, you know, moving over so far off to the left and then you drive like 60 miles. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like every time it's just, and then, you know, that Leonardo DiCaprio meme, the pointing oh, yeah, yeah. thing. Like when I see the big gap where, you know, it's like we're like a long line of cars now in the fast lane and then there's a big gap and you see who the front car is. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God, come on, get a clue, man. Like you're slowing everybody else down. And like that, that person's just so oblivious, like, doo, 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 doo. And like, yeah. So, you know, that scene in, in Ghost World, right, where Seymour gets so frustrated About the by woman crossing. Yeah. <laughs> That's totally me. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Hogging, like 
<laughs> yeah, come on. Yeah, but I, I don't think I'm a, I'm a simp like Seymour was. Like he really simp for Thora Birch in that movie, and I'm like, nah, that's not me. I don't do that shit. <laughs> <laughs> um. So the second is um Billy Brown from Buffalo '66, who I basically quoted at the beginning of the show. Oh man, yeah, another guy with anger issues. <laughs> Talk about. Um, but yeah, it's like the uh, I just love. I mean, oh, that and then his performance as um, Bud Clay in in Brown Bunny in the two movies that we've been able to see of Vincent Gallows, and you know, the third one is we're yet to. Um, yeah, he it's just so hard to figure out like what he really is because he said he's now gonna like suppress all his work. That you know, if like say um, the Blu-rays or the DVDs of Brown Bunny and and Buffalo '66 run out, like he's not gonna put them back out again. Uh, really, which led me to panic buy <laughs> Buffalo '66 because it's like ten bucks on Amazon right now. Um, uh, yeah, and, and you know he doesn't want anybody to see promises made in water. So there's that. But then Marcus told me Marcus Pin of of Zebras in yeah. America and Pinland Empire that. He's going to this like screening of uh, Vincent Gallo, and they didn't even say what screening. It just says a, a screening with Vincent Gallo with a Q and A, and that's it. Is he gonna? Is <laughs> he gonna show know. up? Though? Yeah, he, he. That's the big draw is that he's gonna be there. Um, but yeah, it's like what's showing? Like, what is he gonna be playing? And I thought he was suppressing all his work. Like, you know, it just makes no sense. It's just like it's it, it's hard to get a read on him. And it's just like, you know, he, he's known as an asshole and like contrarian, which Steve called me a contrarian on the previous episode, by <laughs> right. the way. Um, uh, well, I'm not sure if I agree, but uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, like, you know, some sort of like Republican, like right wing guy, you know, when he shows up on interviews. But you know, there's also this vulnerability to him, like the scene in um in Brown Bunny, you know, when he asks that girl out who works in a convenience store, where he's like, "Please, please, can you?" Like he just asks it in such like a vulnerable and weak way that I'm just like, man, there's just a lot to him. You know, he's a complex guy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm. I may get canceled for this, but yeah, I, I love Vincent Gallo. I'll just say that. <laughs> uh, that that so, the whole uh, cancellation thing is a bunch of garbage. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I, you know, I, yeah. I would almost wear that as a badge of honor if somebody. And plus, plus, I'm I'm so insignificant to you know I'm not any big celebrity. You can cancel me, and it's not going to change my life. I mean, if if that brings more listeners to this <laughs> podcast, yeah, more, yeah, cancel us all you want. Um, so my third is uh, Rodolfo Cano the second. <laughs> no, no relation to uh, Robinson Cano from the Yankees. And <laughs> who did he play with uh, uh, for after? I forgot, like the Mariners or something. Yeah, something like that. Uh, yeah, uh, Rodolfo Cano the second because there's two characters named Rodolfo Cano in um, in Good Times Kid. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that no. movie? Oh man, Jacob, you would dig this movie. It, it's a weird one, but it's it's um. I'm not sure if it was a Zazel Jacobs first or second film, but it was definitely a film that uh, it took a while to come out because he was really like, there's two needle drops in this, in the movie that he just would not let go of. Like, he was like, I need the rights to clear for these two songs. Like the movie is nothing without these two songs. So 
he stuck with it. It took like I think he made it in 2005, and then it finally got like a release in 2009. Um, and you know, uh, Zazel Jacobs is a uh, Ken Jacobs son. Okay. Um, yeah, and I was a big fan of his when he first started, but then you know he kind of just became a generic director, which is a shame because I I just really enjoy. He he kind of was associated with the mumblecore movement, but his movies are so much better than than mumblecore shit. So uh, yeah, Good Times Kid was this movie where uh, he he actually Azazel Jacobs plays Rodolfo Cano, the first Rodolfo Cano, and then the second Rodolfo Cano is played by um, uh, another uh, film director, uh, Gerardo Gerardo Naranja Naranja. I forgot um, how to pronounce his name, but yeah, he's a Mexican director. And uh, he plays the second Rodolfo Cano. Mm. And like um, he has a nickname in the movie. Um, Sarah Diaz calls him uh, Depresso. So I, <laughs> I totally related to that character. And it's such a great L.A. movie. I mean, it's mostly set in like in Silver Lake and Echo Park. Um, but there is a funny bit, you know, because we're always critical about this, especially, you know, since we did that episode of, of Los Angeles plays right. itself. Where like they just go on this quick bus trip from downtown to um to Santa Monica. Like it's like it's like that that quick to get to Santa Monica, no traffic, you know, anything like that. <laughs> yeah, it's just I guess that's the trade-off with these LA movies and TV shows is that um a lot of them, unless it's integral to the plot, like you know, with falling down, him being stuck in traffic, right. like People just tend to teleport from one part of LA to another, right. you know. Yeah, and uh, my last character is um, Rob from High Fidelity. Oh, uh, played by John Cusack. One. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah. Oh man, I mean his uh, his confession in the end, towards the end, where he's in the rain. Yeah, you remember yes, that bit? Yes, I just watched that movie uh, not that long ago. It's 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 one of those movies I yeah. I, I probably throw on like once a year to to rewatch. Yeah. Which came first, the music or right. the misery? <laughs> um, but no, that 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 speech he gives though about like um, you know, just not committing to anything, right. you know, just always having one foot out of the door, and then you know he just says that's just suicide, and I'm like, man, that's so me. <laughs> it's just like, you know, I'm I'm still a single guy, and I think that's part of the reason for it is just uh, yeah, I'm just uh, I'm not there. <laughs> I'm I'm really revealing a lot about myself right now, but uh, yeah, those are the the four for me. So have you have you given yours some thought? Yeah, so I I have some 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 ideas here. So I think um, Mike and Swingers. Uh, oh again, shit! I think yeah. you know, so and, and more so with my maybe my my youth. Uh, you know, I was mm-hmm. kind of like unsure of myself and kind of like you yeah. know, um, you know not that people were telling me I was money and all this stuff, but you know, like, you know, people were saying like, Oh, you know, you know, you're not a bad looking guy. You're a nice guy, you know, you know, and, and I was always kind of like yearning for, you know, like a relationship and, you know, like wanted to, you know, have a girlfriend and like, you know, you know, do stuff with, you know, people. And I was always kind of like the third wheel with my friends, you know, like they were in relationships and I was just like kind of tagging them along. And so, Oh man. So that, and then Clarence from true romance, I think uh, again another type of okay. romantic, but you know, like I, I was into comic books. I, I still am, am into comic books, but uh, and he's into movies, um, you know. 
Sonny Shiba. Yeah, I, I mean, it's like he—he just—he just seems like kind of like a, he's just like a cool guy, you know. He's just kind of like, you know, he has he has his um his morals, you know, as far as like what what he thinks is right and wrong, and and um, not that they match, you know, maybe with society's morals, but uh, um, you know, he stands up for 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 what he believes in, and he you know gets his girl out of a bad situation because you know he kind of becomes enchanted with her, which you know. I probably, you know, one of my crushes when I, when I was younger was a Patricia Arquette in that movie. So, oh yeah. You know, but, uh, for sure. And then probably this is, this might be a little weird one, but, uh, maybe, but Amelie from, from Amelie, <laughs> nice. you know, like, I like this left field. Pick. I, I, I think, you know, again, I, I'm, I'm leaning on the, I'm very much on the romantic side, but like kind of a daydreamer and just kind of like, you know, uh, you know, kind of like in my own movie kind of thing, you know, uh, sure. Um, but, uh, I mean, I love that movie and, and I was just, you know, totally, you know, uh, captivated by that movie. And, and I remember when I, yeah. when I first saw it in the theater, I was just like, I gotta go see that again. Like it was just so good. It just made me right. feel so good. And I feel like I'm a, I'm a nice, you know, person and, you know, just out there trying to, you know, do good and, and try to be happy. And and I think that's what she was trying to do. Absolutely. Yeah. And you believe in the magic of movies. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. hundred um, yeah. percent. Oh, I like that pick so much. Yeah. I, I rewatched it like a, maybe like last year and yeah it still holds up like there's just something about it like there, there's a joy and like you can sense it like how they were making it yes. you know there's all these ideas and you know it's it's really cinema like he pulls like every trick in yes, the book for 100 percent, 100 percent. yeah and it's like he never recovered after that too like i don't i never liked anything he made after yeah um, he, he had like, he had some i mean amelie yeah it's like his high point you know it's like how, how do you follow that up but uh yeah i saw a couple of his movies after and yeah they didn't really hit with me yeah because even what came before you know um i obviously it was uh directly it was um alien resurrection but city of lost children is like yeah it's like one of the most unique movies ever right. you know just pure originality and yeah i think it's getting time for a rewatch for that too especially because you know the opening scene is uh, you know a christmas riff so um yeah uh, i think i'm gonna rewatch that soon but yeah man great picks um so yeah i mean i've been listening to you on on different pods and um uh but there's something i can't quite put my finger on who is your favorite director you can just set the record favorite straight. director well probably uh, dead would be Kubrick. The mm-hmm. would be Fincher. I think Fincher would be my ah, favorite. Okay. Um, although I do like, I mean, and then, and I, I, I see these a lot on Twitter, you know, where it says like, you know, choose, you know, what, what's your, you know, your favorite, this and that, you know, and I, I always say, well, I'm glad, you know, I don't live in a world where I have to choose, you know, I can kind of take, you know, little bits from everything, sure. you know, like I have a collection and if I want to watch this movie, I can watch it. You know, I don't have to do a Sophie's choice of, of you know, hey, this is the <laughs> only movie I'm going to get to watch for the rest of my life, you know. Um, but, right. you know, again, exactly. you know, to, to, you know, still feed into the the uh, the uh, scenario. Um, yeah, I think those would be the be the two. Gotcha. Oh, man. So, um. I brought it up in a previous episode and I mentioned it to you off record. We have like a lost episode right. with Brandon and the 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 movie we discuss is actually a Kubrick movie. And we also like break down Kubrick right. a little bit. 
Um, so I don't know if you're you're gonna enjoy that one because <laughs> we're we're very critical. No, I, I, so. I you know film film music art is you know it's it's all subjective, right? You know, like right. I, I'm a kind of the person that um, you know there's things that I hate. And I don't know why people like it, but if you like it and it, it makes you happy, you know, power to you, as long as you're not hurting anybody sure. or, or, or yourself, you know, like I, I have no, no problem yeah. with that. So, you know, again, some people, you know, would be critical of some of the stuff that I like, you know, um, probably namely my wife, you know, number one, you know, as far as our, our taste in movies and my, again, my dark sense of humor versus, you know, hers, but um but again, you know, we, we've been married for, you know, 16 years and, you know, we're wow. still, you know, still, still together. So. No, you guys make it work, man. That's yeah. great. I mean, yeah, I think that, yeah, you touch upon something too. I mean, with that, your relationship and like uh, maybe the bigger picture in terms of uh, criticism and social media with like people just basically judging other people based on their tastes you know, it's like I can't get along with somebody who likes blah 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 right. or doesn't right. like, you know, so and so, and you know, it it that's more than a measure of a person. You know, it's not not it's not just like what they like. Um, one of the things that I've been encountering more and more actually recently is just uh, I keep finding myself being the only person who's like reading a book. <laughs> whenever i'm like uh around other people it's just like nobody else uh, is reading a book and it's like i don't judge other people for not reading right. you know it's just like that's something that i enjoy you know and I, it's not like a commonality that's like a non-negotiable for me but yeah unfortunately that that's where we've gotten to where it's just like oh if you don't like this uh you're you know people just you know make judgments um yeah it's a, it's a it's a it's a problem in society you know like i, I i've, I've mm-hmm. said this before mom even with like social media and you know facebook and all this stuff like even though we're connecting with people like from all around the world and people that we haven't seen in a long time i feel like we're more disconnected than we've ever been in in the in, in the yeah. history of, of of human existence because there's no like you know, people don't get together anymore, like, like, you know, person to person and, you know, see, you know, you can see the expressions on their faces and stuff. Everything is through, you know, emojis or text or, you know, messages mm-hmm. or status, you know, like how many friends do I have? Did they like, did they like my photo? You know, um, you know, the things that I like, you know, do, do people also like the things that I like, or if somebody's going to critique me, you know, does that make me a bad person? So, you know, we become this kind of weird society. Like I, I imagine, I don't know the aliens that uh, you know overlook uh, our society. You know whatever you know whatever you believe in, like what they must think. You know of, of this. You know of what we become. Well, I I definitely believe that uh, if 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 there are aliens out there, we're actually their experiment, and we're just watch- <laughs> they're watching us. Were the ant- <laughs> were the ants in the yeah. in the in the farm? Yeah. We're totally their entertainment. Like this is their intergalactic cable is <laughs> <laughs> just watching us humans like destroy each other uh, and eventually lead to extinction. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, it's been it's been wild. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Jacob, I didn't even like bring this up earlier. I mean, you did say that you you are a big fan of the show. Like one of the things that you do on Twitter, which is great. And, you know, this is like, I guess, the positive side. And like, this is why I like 
our kind of circle of of people that we all follow and like the even the, the other people that are just like on the periphery of mm-hmm. that um is that you know there's just we don't have that like we can have disagreements but it it never like you know becomes like a a crazy fight like you know obviously there's some people who have very controversial opinions like uh chris funderberg is right i can think of uh, from the pink smoke but like um you know one of the things that you do uh is you you create like um uh like a highlight post of our each of our episodes and like you even add like photos yeah to it and you know we really appreciate that you know no i i this is something that i you know ever since i got on on twitter you know however many years ago it was um you know when i when i listen to a podcast you know the the few that i follow follow like the wrong wheel and and uh, i used to actually do it uh, a pretty uh, intensive one for zebras where i would like put I yeah w- weren't you like archive archiving their episodes or categorizing no, at, at one point they had asked for like an intern you know to do something like that but what i would do is i would listen to their episodes and i would put like like uh, uh, my description would be, and it's probably still on Twitter somewhere. Uh, I'm sure if you look it up, but it would be like like little things from the episodes, like little like markers or like like words that they said or, or like phrases that came up. And um, you know, um, and I used to, <laughs> yeah, there's so many references. Yeah, yeah. In and I used to get a kick. Crazy. I used to get a kick out of that. But you know, I, I'm a big yeah. I'm a big believer in you know um, you know promoting stuff that that I enjoyed and you know kind of like highlighting things and hopefully you know, hopefully you can get you some more listeners and stuff and, and people of the like uh, ilk and that don't take themselves, you know, too seriously and, you know, get caught up in all this stuff that we were just talking about and just say like, Hey, I just want to hear a podcast about, you know, people talking about movies, you know, they have passion for it and, you know, about a movie, maybe we haven't, you know, you haven't seen yet, or, you know, like some of your guys' quick cuts and your, your, uh, Carlos, uh, um, Canon and, you know, all these, uh, all these, uh, uh, things that I love, um, these little side things. So, you know, yeah, anything I can do to help out the show and, you know, like, and of course, you know, the Patreon, you know, I, I contribute to that and, and yeah, man, we definitely appreciate it. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I, I try to do my little part. I wish I could do more, but, uh, uh, you know, I just nah. You're doing more than enough, man. Little you know? part. that's great. Yeah, and I yeah, I'm I'm definitely gonna be looking forward to the post that you do <laughs> uh, for this episode <laughs> that you're actually on. <laughs> so yeah, yeah be- for sure. Um, yeah, and like I've seen you, like yeah, it, it's definitely led me to other discoveries too. Like, um, there's another one you hype up. Uh, it's a uh, watch with Jen. Yeah, yeah. She's yeah. a she's a um, one that I kind of discovered through Twitter. You know, I used to see her she tweeting about film or whatever. But she actually um, early on she didn't um, she wasn't doing podcasting. She was just doing like you know film reviews and and things like that. Um, or she would be guesting on a pod or something like that. And uh, and then she I think she had asked you know her followers like what you know what should be my next thing? What should I do? And and that came up as far as like a podcast. And she used to do like a like a top five like watch with Zen, Jen and it would be like a subject. It would be like you know top time top ten or top time top five uh, time travel movies or something like that or you know some type mm-hmm. of subject but then she started getting guests on her show and then now they you know they always have a theme you know it could be like classic cinema um you know like uh, pre-code area stuff or it could be an actor or you know they'll, they'll pick like a few movies that, that that they touch on or you know somebody you know 
writes a book about, you know, that subject. And, and so they'll have them on and they'll talk about, you know, why they like it. So I think it's a really good show and they have a really good guest. And um, yeah, so, you know, if I listen to something like Wrong Real or that show, I'll, once I'm done listening with it, I always, you know, promote it and I, I put it out there and hopefully, you know, people connect. Yeah, nice, man. That's awesome. So, uh, so yeah, since you are, you're up to date with all our episodes, uh, what, what did you think of our last episode with the on time crimes well i i will say i i do enjoy when you and steve are on together i think you guys have a really good <laughs> chemistry and, and dynamic and and you know the way you bounce things off each other and and uh, steve seems to be kind of like the uh you know like uh like he he's a fan of movies and whatnot but he's he's seen a lot less than i think that you have so you kind of like expand his horizons but you know i love the episodes that you guys did like on on some of my you know favorites like commando and you know things like that you know like it kind of you know it brings me back to that to that time so i like those kind of breakdown episodes but uh it was a very good episode i thought you know the the guests that they had on um you know uh the movie i've never seen the movie and I, it's on my list to to see but you know they make me I love when an episode makes me want to watch the movie that they're talking about. Right. You know? So you were, you were fine. Like listening to it and having not seen the movie, like, and they, they went to the spoilers in, in that know, episode. A lot of people give me, uh, give me crap for this. Uh, you know, even the film 89 guys, uh, uh, they'll, they'll tell yeah. me, they're like, well, don't listen to the episode if you haven't seen the show or whatever. And I'm just like, right. It goes back to that thing I originally said, um, it doesn't, you know, I don't care if I, if there's spoilers and not, not that it doesn't make it, you know, of course, if you know, know the surprises, it kind of ruins it a little bit. But to me, if it's a good enough film, I'll still get enjoyment out of it when I watch it, you know, and, and I, mm. I, I'll be honest, I, you know, I don't remember every sing, single thing I hear, you know, word for word, you know, so like, you know, I, I'm kind of more when I'm listening to podcasts, I'm more kind of playing off, you know, the other people's like, uh, you know, reactions to it and, and things that they're saying and, gotcha. and just how it makes them feel or are their ideas behind it. So, you know, I can go into time crimes and I'll still, I think still, in, you know, be able to enjoy it as a, as a separate thing. And then the podcast is a separate thing. All right. Well, awesome. Yeah. I think I, I do that too with like red leather media. Like there's sometimes they just talk about a movie and I don't really care for the movie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, they can spoil it all they want. Right. You know, I just, um, I just want to hear them talk about right. it. Um, all right. So since you are the guest of the show, I'm going to give you a choice. Would you like me to give my thoughts on time crimes now that you're here? Or do you want to hear it when I get back on an episode with Steve? probably when you get back on an episode with steve because okay. he's right. he's so we'll seen it. it and and yeah. you know they had a discussion about it and i haven't seen it so i wouldn't even know what to to, to compare it to i just know like the you okay. know the basis of it all right well okay we'll save it for that then um yeah all right so i guess we'll get into uh what have we been watching lately so as we've been preparing for this episode um I, you know, it's spooky time, Halloween, you know, so like I kind of been getting into scary movies. But one thing I learned about you, Jacob, which is something that we have in common is that we both don't scare easily. Yeah, I would say I would like, say, yeah, I, I, you know, when, when people talk about horror and like being scared, I I can't I can probably maybe count on half a hand, <laughs> you know, have the times mm -hmm. that I've been like actually like frightened or scared uh, of things. Right. Yeah, it, it's just, I don't know, uh, like something happened with me 
where I just kind of cross a threshold and I always compare it to like acquiring a taste for spicy food. Like when I was a kid, I hated spicy food <laughs> and then, you know, I hated horror movies like my I, I lived with my aunt and uncle um, for like a year in San Diego and they loved horror movies. And, you know, I slept in their living room. So I would be on the couch while they're watching these horror movies. And I would just be it's just hearing the idea of the movie would terrify me. Yeah, <laughs> like those type of things. And then, uh, but yeah, like just, I, I got to a point and I think about it more actually now in terms of, um, I don't know, I guess because we're, everything is being filmed now and we have like, you know, real violence and all of that, that's just horrific that we can see. And it's like easily accessible that, yeah, it, it definitely is harder for me to be terrified of, of like gore violence that I see or yeah, some, some, it has to be like, I guess something atmospheric and like really builds attention. Well, and most horror movies don't do that. You know, they just like, they rely on jump scares or they're just extremely violent. So yeah, it's just, um, yeah, it takes a lot. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with really... you there though. Gore like doesn't get me at all. Like I know some people that they yeah. can't even, you know, and I, 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 I always say, you know, like, well, it's fake, you know, like I, I'm watching a movie, so I know it's not real. Right. It's a prosthetic or, you know, they didn't really like, you know, cut this person's head off or whatever. Um, so <laughs> it, I, I, I don't know. I'm totally desensitized to that. Like I, I right. nothing can ever, you know, gross me out too much. And, um, you know, I won't say that, you know, there aren't jump scares that get me here and there, but, uh, you know, as a whole, I don't have a, a fear of like when I watch a horror movie or a so-called scary movie that I walk out of the theater and I'm like looking around every, every corner or not, you know, wanting to approach right. the dark and, and looking, you know, scared of my shadow, so to speak. Yeah. And in a way I envy people who, who still get that from horror right. movies, you know, it's like, especially, that amazes me like you know we have some mutual follows that are like part of horror twitter like um uh i mean yeah you're a fan of jade's obviously mm -hmm. like she she watches a bunch right. of horror films um uh amanda as well um uh what's her uh w mass liberty right. i think is yes. her um handle um yeah and like it's just like how can they like consume so much horror and still like get something from it i mean i guess there's other things you can get from it but like do they still get scared like that's yeah, i don't i don't i, I wonder don't know if, you know that's a that's a good question but i mean i think it really yeah. just depends on on the type of person you are i mean i have people right. that i know that are just very anxious people and so you know they they tend to be like i'm more on the on the nervous you know scared side than than you know somebody like me that's you know like me very kind of just you <laughs> right. know brass brass tacks and just kind of like you know i can separate <laughs> reality from from fiction and and yeah. uh you know i know it's just a movie and i know that they're trying to get a, a reaction out of me um you know for for you know for me what i want in my horror is just i want a good story you know like i just don't want it to be yeah. all substance and no um or i mean all uh you know tricks and no substance uh you know, right. where they're just, you know, like you said, you know, just trying to do jump scares or just trying to gross me out or, you know, trying to, you know, the top, you know, their last film by, you know, doing a bunch of, you know, off the wall stuff, but the story makes no sense or it has no, no, yeah. you know, no value to me. Right. Yeah. And it is that thing of like, you know, well, you brought up decapitations and then sequels, you know, like diminishing returns. Right. 
so we we shared like a list of uh i of like scary movies to each other and I, I told you like some of the stuff that i i was planning to watch so i tried to watch as many as i could this past week but you know this is also the reason why steve and i have kind of been doing kind of spin-off episodes with like guests and like he's doing one and i'm doing one as well but um yeah hopefully we'll reunite again soon it's just schedules haven't been aligning but uh one of the movies that i i brought up was halloween 3 which is one of jade's favorite movies and you saw it too. yes i did watch it for the first time yeah <laughs> this uh what a couple couple nights ago i think awesome so how was it for you uh, this is a, a, something that I always have uh, that I struggle with in the sense of I have to put myself in the mindset of when this came out, all this other stuff that came after it didn't exist. Right. So I, you right. know, it's hard to sometimes put myself in the shoes and be like, okay, I have to look at it through that lens, not through today's lens, because, you know, I'm being, you know, um, corrupted, let's just say, you know, by all the stuff that I've seen after it, you know, like when it comes to like special effects or, or different stories that might have taken inspiration. Um, I thought it was an interesting uh, twist on, you know, like going from Halloween, Michael Myers, Halloween to, you know, kind of, you know, still Michael Myers, and then this completely different thing, but still in the vein of like Halloween, like as a as a theme. Um, but overall, I would say that I'm not, I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it either. I, I, it was, it was missing a lot of, uh, things for me that I liked about the original. Um, and again, the bar is set so high with John Carpenter's Halloween, you know, you're never, you're not going to hit those heights again. You know, like all these, these sequels that they've done this, uh, this uh, re, you know, kind of uh, uh, configuring like of the, the timeline and, and, and stuff right. with these new uh, trilogy, you know, it, you're not going to hit those heights again. You know, like it, sometimes I'm just kind of like, why don't you just leave it alone and cr- come up with a totally new creation? And, you know, um, you know, why do you have to have it tied to this? But I get it. You know, it's all it's all money and and uh, that kind of stuff. But um, but there was some some elements of the movie that that I did like. You know, I thought there was some some interesting stuff on it, like the idea behind, uh, you know, why this guy was, uh, you know, doing these um you know, controlled mass things and the, the robots and all that stuff. Like, you know, and again, sorry, spoilers for people that haven't seen this, you know, how many, how many years old this movie is. Um, but, uh, but I can see why it'd be the favorite of some, some people, but um, definitely wouldn't be on my list as a favorite. Yeah. It, I mean, it was, it was definitely trending again because of Halloween ends coming out recently. Um, uh, so yeah, it, I definitely was seeing it pop up and I think that was, one of the motivators for me to finally get around to watching it, but also that idea that it was separate from the Michael Myers stuff, that it's a completely different story. And I was looking into it and like John Carpenter, that was actually his initial goal was for it to be more like an anthology series uh, of movies. Um, And he wanted to kill off Michael Myers. Um, uh, but yeah, it's just uh, it, there were elements in the movie that I thought, man, there, there's a great movie in this. I agree. Like, I agree. The, yeah, I I mean, I like the whole idea of like the villains being like these these men in suits with black gloves. Like something about that was just, you know, I and I kept on thinking of like if it had more of a a pulsating score to accompany them, the kind of like um 
uh, I kept on thinking of like when um, Shoshana encounters <laughs> Hans Landa uh, in that restaurant. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that yes. scene in in Inglorious yes. Bastards? And then they play the um, it's the Untouchables theme, right? Like it's like this punching sound that you hear. Okay. Yeah, and like I was just like, man, like um, uh, if they had that soundtrack, and because you know John Carpenter was still involved in the soundtrack with this movie. And I think he was still kind of a creative, uh, like um, consultant. Consultant, yeah, yeah. Um, and originally it was supposed to be Joe Dante directing this. Really? Yeah, that yeah, would that's what that I would have been that would have been interesting. Yeah, exactly. Right, because you know it it it. There's so many elements that are, that are in his wheelhouse. It's taking place in a small town. You know, there there's like the the corruption of innocence. You know, all these things are, are there. And yeah, you just think like, yeah, what if we had the Joe Dante version? So, yeah, uh, speaking of John Carpenter, I also mentioned that I, I watched uh, John Carpenter's Vampires. You watched it, too? Yes, I did see this movie so based on your think? recommendation, based on your recommendation. <laughs> did I really recommend it? I just said I watched it. <laughs> well, I think you, you had you, the one thing you said about it was the it was the last uh, great James um, Woods performance. Oh, yes, I did. OK, so so that that got me kind of hyped. And of course, uh, I like to be a completist in the sense of like, you know, see all of, a, you know, all of a director's uh, works. And that was, you know, a, one of the few that I hadn't seen yet probably because I hadn't heard, you know, great things about it. So I wasn't, <laughs> wasn't jumping to the top of my list, but uh, I was like, you know, I'll give it a shot. I believe it was on, was it on Netflix or it was on. Yeah, one, it was on Netflix. Sp- yeah. One streaming service. So, so I watched it and I have to say I wasn't a, wasn't a big fan. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, it seemed like, and I, I don't know which one came out first, but it seemed like kind of like almost like a from dust to dawn. Yeah, like that's a what lot I was thinking too. From dust yeah, to dawn, th- like this elements. Came out to like it. two years after. Yeah, it just had a lot of elements of of, of that, you know, <laughs> as far as like a vampire uh, uh, movie. Um, but yeah, I, I thought there was a, you know, it just it just it didn't even really feel like a Carpenter film to me. Right. But I again, this is you know Carpenter's has been in stages of you know his career and. He's had such a like a, a weird career, you know, where, you know, some of his most, uh, you know, iconic movies, like, you know, didn't didn't hit, you know, uh, at the time. And so, he, you know, they, uh, they kind of fell under the radar and then they became, you know, kind of cult classics and popular after after the effect. But uh, but yeah, it, it I mean, I'm glad I, I saw it because, you know, it was a Carpenter movie, but uh, it felt like it was very distant Carpenter for me. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think it, it's a very shitty movie. Uh, <laughs> like, it has a shitty script. I think that that's really it. Like, it, I think it really depends the quality of the John Carpenter movie. Is is It will only take him so far as the right. script will take him. Right. And, um, you know, but the Carpenter touches I enjoyed. Like, I thought, like, the violence was hilarious. Right. In the movie. Like, and also the, the fact that most of the movie takes place during the day. It's also right. like, just so ridiculous to me, and it's like they they go into these vampire layers, you know. I guess obviously like disturbing them while they're sleeping, and one of the main weapons that they have is is James Wood's like crossbow that shoots like a harpoon into the vampire, and then it's like tied to the winch of like a truck that's being driven by um one of the Baldwin's William. <laughs> 
and he has to like wind the winch in and it pulls the vampire out of the the lair the house so it can be exposed to the sun and then die <laughs> and catch fire also the way they catch fire is hilarious by the way yeah and you know um and it's just a, a funny like kind of connection to recent things i don't know have you been watching uh cobra kai no, I, I've heard I've heard a lot of great things about it, but I haven't one watched. Oh, it. dude, yeah. I mean, especially since you know, I I think we're we're from the same era, and you know, you you enjoyed like um the Karate Kid movies. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I remember so, seeing that in that theater. Yeah, yeah. So the villain in Vampires is Thomas Ian Griffith, who's Terry Silver in the Karate Kid movies. Ah, I, he looked familiar. Yeah, and he he comes back in Cobra Kai. I heard, I heard he yeah, comes back. And he's yeah. such a good villain, you know. And I enjoyed his performance in Vampires too, you know. And um, kind of a, I guess, uh, post Twin Peaks, like Cheryl Lee, she kind of like floundered a bit after Twin Peaks. Because right. also, like, people really hated her performance as um, Laura Palmer in um, the movie, the first movie, um, oh, Firewalk with Regal. Me. Yeah, um, Firewalk with Me. So. That, that also kind of destroyed her career. And then she kind of just became like, um, uh, what is it? Like a sex pot or something. She was in this right. movie with Terrence Stamp that I remember called um, uh, Bliss. No, I've never, <laughs> uh, never heard uh, of it. It's one of those things that it would just show up like as a trailer on a tape that you would rent or something. Like it was like <laughs> a direct to, to direct video, to video. Thing. Yeah, and it made it seem like, oh, it's this couple that's, like, exploring each other sexually and, you know, all these things. And Terrence uh, Stamp is, like, their kind of sex guru or something. <laughs> and he's, like, teaching. Uh, I forgot who that guy is. Like, he's been in a bunch of movies, too. Like, um, uh, he's, like, that guy. Like, he's always just playing kind of, I think his name is, like, Craig something. I'm blanking on his last name. But, yeah, he he's, like, the male counterpart. Uh, or the male part of that couple with Cheryl Lee, and like, yeah, that that was just the type of movies that she was doing, um, and yeah, and, and she was in this, which you know, obviously bombed, but now it seems to be like having a resurgence. That actually was what prompted me to go watch it, and then also, and despite like you know James Woods like persona now, um, you know, on on social media, I enjoy him as an actor. Like, I really like him as a presence. Like he was, no, I think he's a great actor. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just uh I had to see it and like I, I felt like yeah, he's he kind of disappeared after this. Like he wasn't really I mean, I guess he stopped getting the the roles of like main characters and then he he went into TV for a while. What was that show that he was on? Like was it called Shark or something? Yeah, um, that sounds about right. Yeah, so it's just like that's why I was saying like this is the last <laughs> great Jim, James Wood performance, James Woods performance because it's just like he never was given this kind of role again, you know, where he was the guy. Um. So yeah, but yeah, it it it's a shitty movie, but I I enjoyed it a lot. <laughs> like, I had fun watching it. Like I mean. I, I was kind of high too when I was watching it, so that that added. To, <laughs> I'm sure uh, that helped. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, but yeah, it, it's weird now too. Like people talk about John Carpenter, and you know, obviously every time there's a new Halloween movie that comes out, he gets a paycheck because you know he composed that iconic theme, which isn't in Halloween three. Um, uh, Actually, thought, they have that. Uh, I don't know how do you f- how you feel about it, but they have that annoying um, 
that song that they keep on playing Jingle. that's supposed to tr- tr- trigger trigger everybody but uh i, I hated that song yeah and then it's based on um london bridges falling down like they're using that tune yeah and i heard that that they use that because it's like um uh it was it was royalty free so they didn't have to pay uh, the was it like public domain at that point yeah yeah and it's like you know john carpenter couldn't create like some sort of jingle for it i mean the main theme of the sh- of the movie was composed by him and i enjoyed it like because it actually reminded me a lot of the thing you know even actually, though he did- it- I, I think it reminded me a lot of uh, Christine. Oh, uh, I haven't seen that the, one. Which was you haven't seen Christine the movie? No. Oh my god. Yeah. You got to. You got. That's probably one of my favorite uh, Carpenters. Shit. You know, dude, I had a chance to buy the Blu-ray actually for like seven bucks, and it was like a steel book too. But I like just kind of hesitated over it. I was like, should I get it? Because I was already buying like a really expensive record. And I was like, oh, man, like, do I really want to, like, empty my bank account <laughs> when I, I, I leave pro- this store? I've probably seen that thing like 50 times. Like, oh, I, dude, I, I, I love that movie. OK, so if I if I go back to that store, I won't say to anybody who, what that store is because I don't want anybody else to get it. <laughs> uh, but but it's, it's more of a record store than a, a movie store. So, the, you know, their the Blu-rays are kind of an afterthought. But I saw it and I was like, I thought about it because I was like. Because, I mean, this is the thing now that's been opening up towards me, like maybe doing a a John Carpenter like B-Sides episode, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm actually also a fan of Memoirs of the Invisible Man. Like, <laughs> See, I haven't seen that one. Oh, it's, it's one, really I, enjoyable. I, yeah, I, it's it's another one of his that I, that I need to see yeah. to, to uh, be, you know, complete the, the circle here. Yeah, I will say I, I think the movie was like rated PG or PG-13. It has like one of the most realistic sex scenes I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> is, is that is that uh, Chevy Chase, right? And Daryl. Yeah, Chevy Chase, and I think Michael McKean is in it too. And Daryl Hannah was the yeah. the, the girl, right? Um. Yes. 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 Yeah, okay. Um. Yeah. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I just remember when I saw it, I I, I really enjoyed it. Um. So yeah, yeah Christine, there's that. Christine is a one of the the um. One, because I read the book too. This because it's based on a Stephen King book, and I actually think that the choices that they made, the changes that they made in the movie, were the best choices. You know, versus you know the book, um, gotcha. like how how the book uh, uh, I guess portrayed it. But uh, but yeah, I'm a huge fan of it. I, I'm sure you know, I'm sure it has its its uh, fans out there. But there's probably a bunch of people that, that yeah don't don't like it, and and you know, not one of their favorite carpenters. But uh, but yeah, you just should definitely see that. Yeah, it's weird because it it comes in between like such a an impressive run that he had in the eighties. Like you know, right. it was right after the thing. And what did he make um, after Christine? Was it um, uh, Prince of Darkness? Uh, uh, I'll have to sure. check. <laughs> we got to verify that so we don't have to do the corrections. <laughs> Even though I enjoy that jingle, retractions and corrections. Yeah. yeah so he made. Um, yeah, I think yeah, it was he did like Starman. So he did oh, the Starman. Thing. I forgot about Starman. He did, he did the thing, uh, eighty one, mm. Christine, eighty two, Starman, eighty three, Big uh, Trouble, Little China, uh, China. eighty four, oh, yeah. and, and then Prince of Darkness. Yeah, what a run! And then they live. Yeah, yeah, they it, live. It, ca- it caps off with they live, and then yeah, I think Memoirs of the Invisible of an Invisible Man was the one where basically we're saying people were thinking that that's the start of the decline, you know. Even yeah. though, you know, In the Mouth of Madness seems to have its fans. I've never seen that one. Yeah, um, I, I, yeah, it definitely has its fans. Um, 
I, I remember I saw Escape from L.A. in, uh, in uh, the theater and was totally disappointed with that. Yeah. Did, which did is you right see before that clip, Vampires. That, that viral clip of, of John Carpenter being asked, like, what happened with Escape no. from L.A.? Oh, it's so good. Um, you know, I mean, just describing it won't do it justice. You have to see it. It's like, um, <laughs> I think it was, um, uh, I don't know if you follow John Frankensteiner on yes, uh, Twitter. Yes, I do. Yeah, I do. yeah. He's he's such a good, like, I don't know how to describe it. Like how he finds these clips, like archivist or whatever it is. He he finds the gems. Curator and, of, of clips. Yes, there you go. That's a good way of describing it. But yeah, he, he found this thing with uh, John Carpenter where I guess he was doing a Q&A. And then somebody was saying like, oh, I really loved um, Escape from New York. But what the hell happened with um, with <laughs> Escape from L.A.? And then he just like rips into the guy and just basically said, oh, fuck off. Like he just. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, apparently to John Carpenter, he hasn't lost uh, a touch. Um, but, yeah, there's been this uh, like discussions of like, why hasn't he made anything new? You know, like, shouldn't he like somebody should at least back him to like make a new movie well i mean mm-hmm. look at look at someone like scorsese i mean he, mm-hmm. he you know w- w- look at what it took for him to get the irishman made and you, and you would think that this guy has banked enough goodwill right uh, with with you know the film community but he had to go to netflix you know to to have them you know be able to you know fund his his project so you know right. the world the world's very you know kind of what have you done for me lately uh kind of thing you know so you know I agree. He should get, he should, you know, he should be able to just make whatever the hell he wants. But uh, unfortunately that's not how it works. And I think he's really focused on his music. Um, yeah. You know, just yeah, he's been doing music. like concerts and stuff yeah, like, like does, performances. Yeah. I think there's a, there's a guy, uh, I think I want to say it's Blake. Um, I think he goes and, and sees him all the time. Um, he, he wrote that uh, score to death and mm. he's been on the wrong rail a couple of times uh, more and more nice. than a couple of times, but uh, yeah. All right. So, yeah, uh, John Carpenter, man, uh, he's a fascinating dude. So, yeah, I I, I feel like somewhere down the line, we're going to do a, a B-sides uh, John Carpenter episode. And yeah, we'll, we'll definitely have you back, uh, Jacob, for Christine. Like, we need to talk about it. Yeah, it's a, just another reason to watch it. I mean, I love yeah. that movie. So uh, what else have you been watching lately? You know what, to be honest, I haven't watched a lot of new stuff. I just kind of like been recycling through like my old uh, movies, um, you know, like something I haven't seen in a while, I'll just like throw in and I'll, I'll start watching it and, and, you know, just kind of get a kick out of it the, uh, that way and just kind of, you know, be like, oh, well, this is the reason that I like this, you know, this movie or this is the reason I own it, you know, and, and watch it. Um, but uh, I rewatched uh, The Cell. Uh, pretty recently oh, um, with uh, um, Vincent D'Onofrio and um, and Jennifer Lopez and I think Vince Vaughn. Uh, but uh, I really like the visuals in that. And, you know, not a perfect movie, but I think it has a lot of uh, strong points uh, to it. Um, I'm trying to think else. What else did I watch recently? And besides vampires, uh, I started watching It Follows, but I haven't finished it yet because <laughs> um, I was hearing a bunch of stuff about that uh, right. movie in particular, um, that it's like one of the best kind of like, I guess, horror uh, movie genres right now. Um, damn, I'm trying to think. What else did I watch recently? Yeah, I mean, um, 
The Commitments. I watched. The oh commitments. shit! I've been meaning to rewatch that. Yeah, I hadn't seen that since. Yeah, gosh, probably like over a decade. But that's a really great. Still holds up, I think, and it's really, really great. Yeah, movie. no, nobody talks about that movie. Like, it's so weird. Like, it has one of the best soundtracks. Oh, like yeah. all those covers, awesome. Motown covers are incredible. Like, it, it was one of those movies too that it's like I, I definitely was more familiar with the soundtrack before ever seeing it. Um, because my mom would just play it all the time. Like, she just had it on tape. She had like both volumes too, like the the first one and right, volume right. two. Yeah, I remember that was back when they would still do soundtracks that would be just more than one uh, release. And, yeah, uh, yeah, that that was cool when they used to do that. I used to, I remember, I used to buy both, both, uh, like the yeah, part one, part two. Yeah, like I remember, Train Spotting had two. Yeah, um, yeah, gross, two gross, gross point blank did. Oh yeah, yeah. It's all the yeah. I, I think the part of the reason why they can't have those two volumes anymore because these were like needle drop heavy uh soundtracks that right. uh, yeah you can't do that anymore because it's like that's gonna take up all your budget. Um, because yeah, I mean, I mean, I feel for the musicians too, because that's the only way they make money these days, you know, obviously, because Spotify is just paying them pennies. Um, uh, yeah. but uh, yeah, and on with piracy, and I mean, physical media is kind of making a comeback, like some artists are making decent amount of money with like vinyl, which is good. Yeah, vinyl is a surprisingly stayed strong, you know, it's uh. You know, CDs have kind of gone to the wayside. Uh, you know, of course, right. tapes, you know, went away, but uh, vinyl, you know, is, is probably as strong as it's ever been. Yeah, and it, it's a weird like LA thing too that I've noticed because I I don't know um how long you uh have you been to Amoeba? Like, did you go to the where they moved to the new location in Hollywood? Yeah, I've been to the to the new location. After yeah. They- I went to the original location and then, yeah, a few times and then I went to their new location. Right. And their CD section is still pretty strong, you know? No, it is. It is. Yeah. And I think the, the, it's a testament to like, you know, you mentioned your car has a CD player, you know, it's like, I think LA people still listen to CDs in their cars. You know what? I, a lot of people I know, though, they a lot of people got rid of their CD collections that I know. Yeah. And like they just, you know, either like put it on, you know, iTunes or whatever and digitize it, you know, and then just got rid of their CDs thinking that, oh, I have the digital version. So, you know, I don't need the physical, but I'm a very like much physical media person. Like I have all my CDs from when I was, you know, growing up with CDs and, you know, I like to have the case and the, you know, the liner notes and yeah, same, same thing with the movies. You know, I, I, I have to have the, the, the hard copy, you know, I, I, you know, I can't just have the digital copy. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm the same way, man. Like I love artwork, you know, I like seeing it, you know, appreciating it. And then, yeah, just having that physical copy because yeah, I mean, who knows what's going to happen, especially because with the streaming thing uh, it's so spread out now and like licenses are like transferred from one streamer to another like um actually even uh, the movie we're actually going to discuss the main movie like i remember i had seen it on one of the streaming platforms and now it's not available anymore like it's uh you know you have to pay for it like on amazon to to watch it right right um so yeah it's just like i that inconsistency like you know that something is that is on a streaming platform it's not going to be there you know i have always felt that way even when like spotify started i was like no i i 
I don't want to pay just to stream music. You know, I I want to just have it on my phone. I'm still one of those old school people who who downloads music onto my phone. Yeah, <laughs> I still use iTunes or Apple Music or whatever they call it now. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, because oh, I'm I, the I'm the same. I'm the same. I, yeah. I still do that. I still do that. Nice man. Yeah, Marcus is too. Like I, that's the funny thing. So Marcus and I share a lot of music together, and uh, you know, th- it's the only way actually I'm I'm current with like hip hop is because Marcus like sends me stuff. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, it's just uh, I like being able to access it when it's convenient to me and i i just don't trust the streamers to really provide that and then you know obviously the the extras too that we get with it you know that's that's definitely something i love commentaries uh yeah liner notes like you mentioned they're also enjoyable um so yeah uh now you're really making me regret that i didn't buy that christine steel book for seven bucks it'll it'll still be there it'll still be there (laughs) Yeah, I, I have a feeling too. Like I the that record store's um Blu-ray section is really underrated. Like I've found so many crazy deals there. I actually got like uh the Criterion like thin red line Blu-ray for like oh, okay. 10 bucks oh, in the store. I'll, I'll tell you off right record there. where it is. Yeah. Yeah, so you'll know. Um but yeah, it, it it's a fairly remote location. It's out there. Um so yeah, uh and, just to mention i guess what i've been watching recently um yeah i because i i'm i'm kind of chasing the dragon here to like be scared (laughs) you know i want to watch something that terrifies me and it's hard you know it's just uh like i i gave you a list of of some of the movies i was gonna watch and i this one wasn't on the list but like it popped up because i guess some of my um my leatherbox mutuals watched it and like they were saying it was great so i was like okay i'll give it a chance this movie called lake mungo have you heard of it never heard of it okay so it's this australian movie and it's like a mockumentary so like there's like talking heads and stuff but it's really well done the mockumentary part like you know the actors really feel like they're just ordinary people being interviewed about this incident so it's all about like this girl who um, who goes missing and they're not quite sure like whether she was murdered or she drowned in this lake. Um, and it, the movie is basically a one trick pony where it's all about like the appearances of the girl. And it's weird. Like I'm getting goosebumps right now. Just talking because all it is like that it keeps doing is like, it will show like photos and the girl is somewhere in the photo, but it's just terrifying. <laughs> Like just even mentioning it, like it, the way they pull it off is so well done. Like the execution of like when you see the girl and then the camera's just doing the slow zoom into the photo, and or like you know the girl like walks past, um, you know, like they have surveillance cam footage, and they're like, did the girl really die? Like why is she making these appearances in like these weird things? Like I mean, I love how it makes use of peripheral uh, vision. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it, it, it did like raise like a frisson, uh, you know, a a little bit, but like, yeah, I, I didn't think about it afterwards. And yeah, like you said, like I'm not watching my back after I I see it or like, you know, it it doesn't have that lingering effect. And the other movie that I actually rewatched that, um, that scared me as a kid, uh, and I, I think I'd mentioned this before too, that, um, it's this movie called the relic. Have you heard of it? The re- is that the um, what's his name? Uh, Tom Zeismore. 
was a uh, Miro Sorvino in that one? No, you're you're confusing no. it with Mimic, which also came uh, out like within the same proximity, like within wait, a year. I feel, I feel like I saw the relic uh, in the theater, though. You did? It, yeah, it's the monster that uh, runs amok in the in the natural. Oh, okay, Pene- Penelope Ann Miller. Okay, yeah, yeah from Carlito's yeah, I saw, way. I, I saw, I saw this. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So and um, kin- Kindergarten Cop too. She was in Kindergarten. Oh Cop. yes, yes. It was oh, the man, the love interest. Yeah, she's lovely. Um, so yeah, uh, this movie. Um, well, first of all, like there isn't a good copy of this movie that exists. <laughs> I don't think it's ever been released on Blu-ray. So like, there's only like even if you really, find, yeah, if you find it on like streamers, it's like upscaled HD, and it's a very dark movie. Like literally, like it takes place in a lot of dark scenes, and um. So, yeah, you're trying to make out what's going on. And then, you know, it's not those real blacks. So it's kind of like the crushed blacks where you see the pixelation and stuff. So that definitely affected my viewing experience for sure. But, you know, like one of the things that I enjoyed about it when I was younger was just how for a monster movie, it was so gory. You know, uh, I was so used to like Jurassic Park. I mean, I think Lost World came out the same year. And, you know, obviously Lost World shows uh, uh, Richard Schiff getting eaten in half by two T-Rexes. But that's as far as it will go. Um, But the relic, you know, because one of the things about the monster is that it it has to, like, get the hypothalamus in the brain. So he he always has to de-brain all the the victims (laughs) that he kills. But, yeah, it's just... um, yeah, it didn't scare me anymore. Like, I remember when I saw it, I was staying with, like, my aunt in New York. And it was winter time, And she had, like, a really noisy, like, clanging radiator. You know? Um, right. So, yeah, I always just thought of the monster with that radiator there in the corner. And, yeah, I had a hard time sleeping that night <laughs> <laughs> when I saw it on tape. So, yeah. But, yeah, it just didn't quite hold up. Even though, you know, I love Tom Zeismore. And I think this was the movie he made after Heat. You know, so um, yeah, interesting wow. choice. Like he's a cop, you know, <laughs> going from Michael Chirito, you know, the what is his line? In the, that's like his most quotable line in in Heat is um, the action is the juice <laughs> of that line. I think his his most uh, it's not even a, a verbal thing. His most quotable thing is when they're sitting at the the table and oh and, shit and he, he 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 slams uh, Wayne Grove's head against the uh, against the table and then yeah. he gives that guy a look and the guy just goes back to reading his paper. Yeah, because the guy actually looks pretty mean too. The one with the toothpick in his mouth, right? The right. flock of seagulls here. <laughs> yeah, but just the look that Sizemore gives in that is just like okay, I'm not, yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fuck with this guy. Yeah, it's like what. but it also just seemed like such an LA thing to me like that whole diner scene you know obviously the 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 Al Pacino Robert De Niro diner scene is iconic but the first diner scene with Wayne Grow um like it's just this whole thing of like people don't uh you know they they mind their own business but you know when it's something that it's like an incident like that that's when they perk up you know the same way like how traffic slows down when there's a breakdown on the side of the freeway, it's like something that, you know, it's like they've never seen it before and like they have to slow down and look, <laughs> you know, it's like so annoying. But yeah, like <laughs> the the return of the look is that's the rare thing that you don't see is uh, yeah, and 
that's such a great performance by Tom Zeismore. Um no, he's a he's a great actor. I just you know I know he's had so much trouble with like drugs right. and, and and things. It's it's a shame, you know. Yeah, and I, and I was happy to see him uh, come back in um, Twin Peaks season three. Like, yeah, and he was he was good in that. So I think he's he's kind of gradually, you know, coming back. But obviously, he won't be getting the same roles that he used to. Um, and I remember hey, you, know, you never never know. I mean, look at Robert Downey Jr. He was a you know at one point he oh, was like, right. He was that person that nobody wanted to hire, and then you know now he's like one of the biggest stars in the world. Yeah. So yeah, that, I guess that's the answer. He just got he has to do a Marvel movie. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, Tom Zeismore, man. I even remember like that VH1 series where it was chronicling his addictions and stuff, and I was just like, man. That was really the low point. <laughs> oh man. Um, but yeah, so I also um I rewatched a couple of movies. One, uh, because uh our previous guest, Kay, had mentioned that she had watched um The Mist in black and white. Have you seen The Mist, Jacob? The is that the 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 new one? Um well there was a show, like there was an adaptation that came out recently, but um the the original movie was by Frank Darabont back in yes, 2007 you know i just watched that movie that was oh, another shit. one I, I, oh so one that, you saw it i had nice. heard i heard the same thing i'd heard so much about it especially the like the twist ending or whatever so i was like you know what i'm gonna watch this movie yeah so what do you think i liked it it it, mm. it kind of seemed like a tv movie to me okay like just the i guess the way it, f- it felt and 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 the way it was filmed um but uh you know besides i mean there was some some gory scenes and and you know obviously some language that wouldn't be on tv but uh right um but i thought i thought it was a a really you know a good uh you know ending yeah um and and there were some good performances you know i i do like thomas jane a lot and um what's her name marcia gay harden i thought she was really good in it um, man that was her I didn't even realize that. Like, I, I guess I was thinking of Embeth Davids or something. Like, because she's grown into that look for some reason. Um, I'm pretty but, sure it was her. Yeah, no, yeah, it is her. Yeah, but yeah. I just, I, I, I didn't make that connection because, you know, I think of her as um, in uh, in Miller's Crossing. Yes. And how she looks from that to, oh, I mean, you know, aging right. is a natural thing, but... Yeah, she's looks completely different now. Yeah, cause she she won a uh, didn't she win an Academy Award for uh, Pollock? Oh, she did. I didn't know that. I think she won Best Supporting Actress oh, for okay. Pollock. I think. Uh, yeah, for the, the Ed Harris movie that one of his like passion projects. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, I saw that, but I I don't remember it. <laughs> like it was it's like, it's like a kind of a basic like biopic you know right nothing, nothing you know nothing uh extraordinary about it and kind of yeah forgettable. that's why it's pretty forgettable yeah. unlike pollock's art <laughs> right <laughs> itself um yeah but marshall gay harden was great like i even enjoyed her performance this time around even more you know uh, it's just the whole religious nut thing she just really leans into it 
I, I was glad that that she actually got her like come up and it's like I didn't think that you know I, I love when movies kind of surprise me like that when you know they're not predictable in the sense of like oh right. well this per- this character is just gonna live and you know the stakes are really low because you know there's no way they're gonna off this character yeah because you know she's kind of moving the story forward in in this in this instance but you know she did she got her uh yeah she got her uh her time right <laughs> and and not the way that you would think right too. that's that's what i like uh, i mean it's it's funny that we're dancing around it because Kay and i also danced around the ending a little bit because yeah i still feel like not enough people have seen this movie so even though it's 15 years old now <laughs> um but yeah uh seeing it in black and white was also like a new experience uh but there was one thing that i i still feel and you know it's something that i can't do retroactively with with black actual movies that were shot in black and white, but I think modern movies that are shot in black and white, like if you're going to show blood, like you got to do something to it. Like you can't just be like black for some reason. Like, I, I don't know if I, I really want to go as far as like the Sin City route. I was where like, say, yeah, that yeah. <laughs> would be my only example of, of, you know, right. Highlighting or, the, like the color. Yeah. But like, the, I think there, there's still a way that they can do blood. I think in black and white where um, it could be effective. Um, but yeah, like uh, the mist was originally shot in color. So, you know, the, the scene that really stands out and you saw the color version, right? Yes. Yeah. I, so, I, you know, I remember you guys, uh, her talking about that, but I didn't even know that there was a, you know, like, how do you even see it in black and white? Like, um, so the special like edition, yeah. Blu-ray okay. had the black and white version of it. Yeah, got but it, I think it's it. like super expensive now. It's like um for some reason I guess it went out of print. So like people are selling it for like 50 bucks and up or something. It's ridiculous. Um but yeah, that's the only way that you can watch it. Or you know, you could just turn off the color on your TV. <laughs> or you can it. or you can or you can find it uh, uh find it at um you know, a garage sale somewhere, you know. Oh, right, if you're, right. If you're lucky yeah. enough, you know, somebody has a version of it and and they're selling all their DVDs. Right. And, and I mean, you know, it wasn't just like an afterthought because uh, I, you know, there there have been other modern movies where they did like a black and white version and I didn't like it. Um, like, you know, they did Mad Max Fury Road in black and white. I don't know if you saw that. No, I, I mean, I saw it um, and I own it, but I, I didn't see it in the black and white. Yeah, it just doesn't work. Like the colors are so important to it. Like, Yeah, you know, I, I, yeah I, I agree. I think the colors are, you know, one of the... Uh, kind of adds uh, to it in the yeah, sense of like the especially with the the guitar guy you know and the <laughs> flames like yeah right. it just it doesn't look as good in black and white um the only part where it actually works was even in you know comparing it to the color version was the the colors were already drained it was when they're in the desert part where at night you know so the mm-hmm. colors were already kind of uh you know subdued in that part so it didn't so of course you know it would look good in black and white as well um but yeah and they also did like logan in black and white and yeah, yeah I, could, I could kind of see that i could see yeah. that you know but again uh, it's it's my issue with the blood you know because the blood yeah. is is part of what makes logan so good um so yeah i i think that 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 would be an interesting challenge because like um you know I've, I've seen black and white movies where the blood looks really good like i i mean i think of dead man you know the Jim Jarmusch western yeah. with Johnny Depp, like Johnny Depp. yeah, the way they do blood in that movie is great. Um, uh, so yeah, 
but yeah, the Mist in Black and White, highly recommended. And I'm still avoiding spoiling the ending for people. But yeah, it, it is. The ending really, to me, is like, um, I mentioned this on the episode with Bill, like how so many movies can be improved by a, a Dogville ending. And I would I would say like um, The Mist has a Dogville ending. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it was definitely... Um... You know, I had heard about it, you know, what the ending was, but it, it still um it still had an effect. I, yeah. I think it was still effective. Right. For sure. Um, so uh you had mentioned a movie to me um when we were discussing like what we we're gonna talk about. Um and uh I, I'm gonna admit, honestly, I wasn't able to finish it because I fell asleep, but you mentioned the movie Session Nine. So uh what is session nine for you? Like what what's its significance? It, you know, I saw this in the theater and it was one of those movies where I um, I didn't really know too much going into it. Um, but it was at a time when I was just like, you know, watching, you know, like just loving to go to the movie theaters and, and like anything that was, you know, at my local theater or whatever. I would just go see if it had like an interesting premise. And um, um, so I actually own the movie and um, probably, you know, due for a rewatch, you know, uh, very soon here. But uh, I thought it, it it's just kind of like a... Um, psychologically creepy uh movie it is it does have elements of kind of like a tv movie um but uh you know some of these these movies you know that are like kind of psychologically uh like uh, scary are to me are like the more i guess scary you know as, as scared as i can get you know uh, as, as far as um when you're talking about you know horror um these are the ones i think that had the the best effect on me um but uh yeah it just you know it's just creepy to me it's yeah. just i i think the things that that if i were going to name something that can scare me would be something that's like uh uh dipped in reality um right. where like i could be like well you know there could be a, a mental patient and you know somebody that has schizophrenia and and you know like you know somebody that hears voices or you know like um you know in that movie there's like recordings of this of this girl and she's yeah, like, those were know, the just, creepiest parts yeah you know <laughs> and so to me though that's like scary you know kind of like how the exorcist and again i'm not religious at all but like i feel i believe like things like that happen in the exorcist you know are things that have happened and can happen in real life and mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. I can't, I'm not going to say it's the devil or, you know, you know, like I said, I'm not religious at all, but, uh, but, you know, these anomalies happen and because they have happened, you know, that makes it scary to me, you know, like versus like a monster or like a, uh, Freddy Krueger, you know, somebody that gets you in your dreams, like that's never happened, you know, like, yeah. I, I don't, there's no proof that that's ever happened. You know, Michael Myers, this in, you know, an unstoppable killer with a, <laughs> with a faceless mask, you know? Yeah it doesn't happen. So, you know, I can kind of separate that, but the stuff that's like psychological, like is the stuff that gets to me. Right. For sure. And yeah, I mean, you were talking about the realism, you know, the, I was blown away by how it looks, you know, the digital is like Michael Mann level in this <laughs> movie, you know, it's just, uh, uh, I, I looked into it and they used the, the Sony, um, Cine Alta camera. Mm. So it's not like a because when I first heard that it was shot in digital, I was thinking, oh, it's kind of like um, a lot of these early 2000s uh, digital movies. Uh, But no, it looks great for a 2001 digital movie like uh, and they move the camera like a film camera as well. Just as a, a, FYI, um, I was looking through my old movie stubs, and I did see the relic in in uh, ninety seven. I, I have my my movie stub here. I saw it in Norwalk. 
But yeah, when you're mentioning the the ticket stubs, because uh, you had mentioned too on the Jade episode that you saw blue chips and you you showed me your ticket stub for that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I was like, damn, man! Like, I need to see your collection. <laughs> I actually I have it in. I put them in like a photo album. The only problem is, is that some of them like kind of got sunblasted, so you can't even like see. You can barely read out like some of the. Oh, some of them man. you can't read them at all. But uh, but I have a pretty good memory as far as like what movies I saw and when I saw them and if I saw them in the theater and who I saw them with and you know where 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 I sat. But uh, yeah, I have a pretty pretty big collection. It less less so now because i don't go to the movies as much right. as i did when i was in my you know as a young younger kind of single person i used to go to the movies by myself all the time yeah you know, i would just be like if i want to go see it i'll find out where they're playing this movie and i'd go and and go and see it but uh yeah yeah i i miss those days man because it's like especially now like if you do get a ticket stub it's like on thermal paper so it just fades away and it's just like paper that's useless yeah, that's you know, what a lot of these are. They're they're that thermal because uh, I used to work in a movie theater, and <laughs> oh, I remember gotcha. when when I would work in the the ticket uh, you know box office, you know, uh, printing these things out, and it was done by thermal. You know, like once they started doing it like that. Yeah, man, I, I I'm still for that card stock. You know, you, the tear. You know, that sound of the corrugated thing like yeah. tearing. Oh man, that's so good. Like, and I I would keep ticket stubs as like um, bookmarks. You know, that was my thing. Nice. nice yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's why I was glad, like, um, you know, I think the New York Film Festival still does tickets and their tickets are like their cards and they're like fat. <laughs> they're like right. fat bookmarks that you can use. Like they're fantastic. Like they're great souvenirs. Um, but yeah, not many movie theaters do that anymore. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty, sad. pretty rare. Or, uh, or everything's digital. Like, you know, they put it right. on your phone and you don't actually get a hard ticket anymore yeah yeah it's like uh with me like you know i have a amc a list like you know they just scan a, a qr code from my phone and that's it um yeah kind of sad but yeah um the one thing i will say even though i didn't finish session nine i will finish it but um uh i got up to a point that really like resonated with me and i, I don't know how long ago you last saw the movie but there's a bit where uh, Josh Lucas is talking to uh, Brandon Sexton the third, mm-hmm. and he's like talking. He gives a speech about having an exit plan. Do you remember that bit? Mm, it's, uh, kind of. Yeah, it's uh, coming, coming to me right now. Oh, uh, it's so good because it's just like how I feel about you know. I mean, this job is obviously like a, a hard labor job that they're doing. They're, they're right, right. clearing asbestos. like asbestos. Yeah. And like they're not even putting their masks on properly, and I'm like, yeah, you guys are all gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> and if it, if it's not this um this uh specter of uh this mental patient, <laughs> it, it, you're gonna die from the asbestos. Um, but yeah, he he talks about like having an exit plan. It's like you know just not settling for this job, which right. is grueling. And you know, there's a part that I also like at the beginning where. Basically, um, Peter Mullen is like um, begging for the job, you know, because, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, you're you're going against bids and obviously they're going to take the one that can do the job the fastest for less money. Right. Um, and yeah, it's just hard work. Um, and Josh Lucas talks about like in, in that speech of, you know, just 
planning something where you know you're not gonna settle for this and um you know you should follow whatever it is that you actually want to do i mean i'm kind of uh cheapening it a little bit by saying it that way but like it, it really resonated with me um that that little speech he gave because you know uh i mentioned i got a job and you know like i i don't view this as like an end all be all type of thing like i guess i've, I've never viewed jobs that way that's why I, I i've never held a job for longer than like six years was kind of almost like an anomaly for me you know because <laughs> it's just the the way i view jobs is like it's just something to keep me afloat for a while and then i move on yeah <laughs> and i guess you know it's easy for me to say that because i don't have you know any ties to things and it's easy for me to to pick up and go it would be different if i was married and i had kids um but yeah uh as a single man that's something that i i'm taking advantage of at this point in my life is just like kind of until I guess I find my place, like I, I feel like yeah, it, it's an ongoing journey. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a tough thing, you know. Like um, you know, like I, the the career that I have now, you know, I'm in logistics, and you know, I kind of fell into it. Um, and I I wouldn't say it's my passion. I mean, I like my job, and and you know, there's obviously pros and cons to it, but uh, um, you know, this is going to be my career, you know, and and right. you know, I'm making a career out of it. But I have, you know. You know, I have two kids and wife and, you know, at, at one point I was the, uh, you know, for 12 years, I was the single, we were a single income family. It was all on me. Right. Um, you know, so, you know, I have a mortgage to pay, car payments to make. And, you know, it's the, I guess the American dream and, and a smaller version of it of like, you know, hey, you know, you have a house, you have, uh, you know, you know, your kids, you know, you have a TV and, you know, and all this, all this stuff. But, you know, again, at the end of the day, it's just stuff and, you know, a lot of people kind of like, you know, me included, you know, live, you know, sometimes live beyond our means and just kind of like, you know, Hey, I made a little bit more money. So I'm going to spend a little bit more, you know, right. not, not really have a, you know, savings or backup plan, you know, so to speak, but uh, you know, I'm trying to get better about that, but uh, yeah, I can appreciate, you know, for, you know, for all those years I was single and I was just kind of like, you know, going from, you know, job to job and just trying to find my place. And, you know, I would spend my money like, like nothing, you know, I would, we'd, we'd go out to eat with my friends. I would treat, you know, cause you know, I just had, you know, I had the money. I didn't have any responsibilities and any real bills, you know, so right. it, was, it was easy to do. Well, I think that discussion of the American dream and all of that, I think is relevant to uh, uh yes our main feature what we were going to talk about so uh, american movie directed by uh, chris smith and it came out in 1999 the greatest movie year ever <laughs> fight me uh anybody <laughs> yeah i feel like 1999 was um but yeah like uh so it, it's strange how this kind of became relevant um you brought it up for one thing but yeah i thought it was like appropriate because it's october and it's about uh you know this filmmaker trying to make a horror film and then you know there was the jeffrey dahmer show on netflix right um which obviously takes takes place in the same vicinity as this movie you know in milwaukee and then uh the sad news is you know mike shank r.i.p 
you know, right. uh, yeah. passed away. And he passed away before you, uh, I mean, after you had mentioned this movie. It's like yeah. eerie that that happened. Yeah, it was really weird because I remember you were saying, um, you know, kind of like a theme for this episode as far as like, you know, like uh, talking about horror because it's October and whatnot. And I and I said, you know, I had an idea to talk about American movie. And, you know, you said, oh, that's great, you know, because it kind of just like what you said, it ties into, you know, because he's making a a horror movie. And, you know, one of the standouts of this movie, in my opinion, is Mike you know yep. this character of mike shank and I, I call him character but he's not a character it's it's a real person yeah, he's right a real he's not guy. A, <laughs> not even a character but you know yeah. he's so he's so funny and so just like you know um you know just kind of one of those people that i think is very charming and and just has a uh you know a jovial sense about him and and uh and then yeah you know i think he died on the 13th of cancer um oh, so you know uh you know but uh you know, I guess his legacy lives on, um, you know, through this movie, you know, and, and uh, you know, him doing the soundtrack uh, to this movie, you know, um, providing the, the backing yeah, soundtrack. fantastic soundtrack. Yeah, you know, it's it's really, really great. And, you know, I actually watched this movie twice, you know, recently. I watched it once just to kind of like refresh my brain. And then I watched it with the commentary. Um, oh, nice. So, so it, was, it was nice to hear, um, you know, hear him you know, kind of pipe in every now and then, you know, he's not, he's not uh, one of those guys uh, like uh, Mark, who's very kind of, uh, yeah. uh, you know, motor mouth, you know, kind of right. you know, gets his point across, you know, all the time, but uh, he's more of on the quiet side and they kind of had to, you know, ask him, you know, to speak, you know, to be like, Oh, what did you think about this mic? Or, you know, do you remember this mic? And, and then he would give his little, his little, uh, his little uh, um, two cents, but, uh, but yeah. I, I love this movie. I mean, it's a, it's, I'm a big fan of documentaries in general, but I just think that this movie just has a lot of uh, what I like uh, heart has a lot of heart. It has a, it's hilarious, um, you know, and it just has so many like memorable like scenes and characters and it shows, uh, you know, a very down on, uh, down on his luck person who is probably never going to be, you know, his, he's not going to ever chain his dream of being like this big, you know, director or, or uh, you know, filmmaker, but um, you know, the fact that he chased it and, and he went through all these trials and tribulations, I can definitely kind of like, I'm, I'm on his side, you know, I'm, I'm cheering yeah. for him. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. And just tying it to the whole American dream, you know, he's in massive debt, <laughs> Like the the there is there's just these constant reminders. Like he's getting bills in the mail. I mean that 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 scene where he 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 gets like something from the IRS, right? And then, IRS for taxes, yeah. phone bill. Yeah, phone bill, uh, and then like, you oh, get that... the 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 like the punctuation of that scene is he gets a Mastercard, right. and he's just so happy. He's like, <laughs> but all I can see is like, no, this is like. <laughs> There's more doom for you, dude. Like you're gonna owe more money on this card, like, <laughs> and you're never gonna be paying for it. And like, you know, it, it's this weird thing of like, um, what I guess is the, um, the ideal of an American dream. And you know, I mean, there's, there's no accident that the movie is called American Movie because of that, um, because the there's that ideal of, you know, the house, the the family, the car, all of those things, and maybe like savings, um, you know, something to look forward to when you're retired. But 
I think what is more common, which is what is portrayed in this movie, is just being in debt. Yes. <laughs> like most yes. of us just being in debt. And like, you know, I've experienced that part of the American dream too. It's like, welcome to America. Uh, you know, just uh, running on debt, you know. And um, uh, I remember too, my dad warned me because, you know, um, I've had other family members that have fallen into debt. And they said, you know, the mistake that they always make is that they think that credit is money. You know, and they start spending it as if like they have money, and then you know it's like, well, we're gonna come to collect with interest, right? And bother you every day, and we're gonna find out where you work and ruin your reputation at work, right? And you know, we're all measured by this number. Ruin your credit to be able to to borrow more money. You know, like exactly this this vicious cycle. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, you know, I, I mean, I've even had it where it's like. Um, I couldn't pay a credit card at one point and they kept on adding more to like my minimum payment. Like it was like $500 every month they kept on adding. I'm like, I already can't pay this and you're adding more for me not to pay this. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, I, it's, it's an insidious thing that, the, yeah. that the, you know, and, and they do it a lot with like a school, you know, if you go to like any like right. kind of a school in America, you know, they're basically handing out these, these credit cards or these loans. And right. it's, it, it's the one thing, you know, the loans that you get for school, it's the one thing that even if you file for bankruptcy, you can't, you can't get rid of this thing. You have to pay this, this, yeah, this back, you know, it's the one, only thing you know you can you can default on your house you can default on anything but on this educational loan that's so fucked up and it is it is really messed up because it's like you know how are you gonna um trying to like kind of convince people to to go to school you know to supposedly get a better job and and get a better station in life but when they come out they end up uh, you know they get a degree for something and a lot nine times out of ten their degree for the job that they want, their dream job, right? It doesn't yeah. pay enough to pay off their debt. So they end up going into something completely unrelated and then they they lose that dream, you know, because yeah. they're just trying to pay off debt. So it's a very kind of messed up way that it's been set yeah, up, man. you know, for this, you know, the banks and these credit card companies to profit off of people not realizing their dreams. Yeah, man. I think you just summed up, uh, <laughs> you know, what's going on with like America and like, you know, I mean, right now uh, they're even in denial, but I, I really feel like we're heading towards a recession. You know, we, we are, we're happen. in a recession. I, yeah, I know nobody yeah. wants to, nobody wants to say it because it's a bad word, but mm-hmm. uh, I mean, you know, and, and what I deal with, you know, logistics, you know, the importing and exporting of goods, you know, from all over the world, you know, into the U S out of, out of the U S and in other countries, it's, you know, all the signs that we're seeing, you know, are, are bad. You know, we're, we're headed toward a, a big kind of, you know, uh, a definitely a recession, but, uh, you know, inflation has gone up, you know, ordering so has crazy. gone down and, you know, people are spending money differently because of COVID, mm-hmm. you know, more, more so on not consumer goods, but more so on like traveling because they were, you know, cooped up for two years and, right. you know, not being able to go see their family or, you know, even some of them not being able to say goodbye to their family because, you know, they died and they yeah. had no means to, you know, go over there and, and they, you know, basically get closure to that. So, you know, people are taking advantage of that now. Yeah. I mean, that that's me. Like, I mean, you know, I pretty much actually since I moved back to Cali, I haven't left, <laughs> you know, um, so it's been four years and like, I'm just thinking about it. Like next year, I, I got to travel, you know, I need to leave 
for right. a bit and just like you know uh even if it's just like uh actually an opportunity is coming up for me to to visit new york again uh but you know again with uh with work i mean you know th- this is the other thing is just um uh i feel with uh you know the the job like you know work life balance is bullshit like that doesn't exist you know <laughs> like right. it's just like if they're taking up most of your week and they only give you two days to enjoy a free time how are you supposed to achieve any balance with that and it's like you you probably even spend one of your weekend days like just trying to recover from the week of just working you know or like doing errands that you you needed to do that you weren't yeah, able I'm, to do during the week america's very you know it's it's one of those places you know you kind of you work till you die Mm. And, and, you know, in other parts of the world, you know, people take, uh, you know, they kind of work is not the, you know, the main thing. It's like they get enjoy they, their first focus is enjoyment out of life, you know, right. like, you know, getting pleasures in life and, and, you know, spending time with, with people that they want to spend time with and, you know, taking vacations and things like that. But over here, it's like, you're just constantly, you know, working, 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 like you spend more time at your work and with the people at work than you do with your own family and your own right. like, friends, you know, and it's, you know, I, I call it kind of like a second family, you know, and, yeah. and like a second family, you know, you have, you know, brothers and sisters, you know, some of t- sometimes they get on your nerves. Sometimes, you know, you can hang with them, you know, some of them you don't like some of them, you know, all those different things. But, uh, but this is like the reality of America life. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely say that you know I have a work dad and a work mom, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they right, look after right. me. Um, but yeah, it, it, that's why I also mentioned severance earlier because that's also kind of dealing with that idea of work life balance, and it it takes it to the you know sci fi extreme where it's basically that you don't know what your work life is when you're outside of work and you don't know what your outside life is when you're at work. Like that's uh that's the concept of the show, right. uh, which is just wild to think about and that somebody, and it, it's kind of like my uh, icebreaker with a lot of my coworkers. Actually, I, I would ask them if they would undergo that procedure. That would basically like you, you know, you would not have any memory of like how your work day went. <laughs> you know when you come home you're just like yeah you're leading a totally completely different life um but yeah almost like, like almost like a form of schizophrenia yeah exactly um and like with you know with american movie we're shown mark borchard who's this guy who's very charismatic um you know i would even say like he, he he's very smart um but you know he's one of those people that like you know uh, I, and this is what i noticed with a lot of smart people that i know is that um well number one they always think that they're better than everybody else <laughs> you know they they really have that sense of like uh you know like superiority I, yeah uh, and it's just it blows my mind you know it's like that's why i know i'm not smart because I don't have that sense of like you know that I'm better than than other people, you know. It's I, like- I don't think that does that doesn't mean that you're not <laughs> smart. I think you know, I agree with you uh, that you know they even allude to it in the in the film. Um, you know, I think his dad is talking to about it and saying like you know he tested like really high, but you know he just didn't like school because they weren't teaching him anything that he wanted to know. Right. And and you know I think you know with Mark. I believe he is a smart guy, but I think he, he has this, um, this kind of 
resistance to authority, you know, with yeah. not just his parents, but just being told like, you know, you need to do this with your life, you know? Um, and this is actually, you know, kind of uh, prudent to the, to the conversation, the sense of like, you know, everybody tells, you know, uh, every, you know, like kids and stuff like that, you know, like, Oh, you can be anything that you want to be, you know, in, in this world. And I actually think that's, it's almost kind of a dangerous message because I don't believe that's true. Absolutely. You know, everybody has limitations. Like, you know, if I want to be an, uh, let's say an NBA star or whatever, <laughs> that's, you know, just because I want to, and just because I go out and shoot, you know, whatever, 10,000 free throws and jumpers and whatnot, there's still physical uh, attributes. I don't ever, I'm not going to ever possess that, exactly. you know, make me, you know, be able to even compete with somebody in the NBA, even with all that practicing and I can watch a million game films. So, you know, I think there's something to be said for us to not kind of overplay our hand or, or set people up for that, because I think that that can cause, uh, this kind of resistance to to change and, and it can kind of mess people up you know like mentally like if they don't achieve those heights that they were promised by their parents or you know all these people around them uh, then they kind of are uh, disappointed you know to start off life and then you know it kind of goes down this this uh, this uh, pattern of, of of you know kind of fulfilling prophecy of, of disappointment after disappointment after disappointment sure well, the, but the weird thing with Mark, though, is that he, it seems like he doesn't even need that reinforcement from, like, his parents. Like, it's just he believes in himself that much. Yes. He's just that arrogant. That it's like, you know, I, I mean, the I think the family member who gets him the best in the movie is his brother. You yes, know? yes. It's like um, he w- there was this bit that he was talking about where, like, he was tell uh, Mark was telling everybody that. He was going to be a millionaire and his brother was like, yeah, I just kind of felt sorry for him. Right. right. He felt that way. And the funniest bit is when he says, um, I just always thought he was going to be a stalker or a serial killer (laughs) and that he was going to kill me. (laughs) They they actually allude to that in the, in the commentary, um, you know, cause they're, they're, you know, they go into that scene that you're talking about and you can tell that, you know, they, of course they have a little bit of tension between him and his, uh, cause I believe he has a a couple brothers. Uh, Mm. His one brother, he does get, he still gets along with and, 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 but uh, Alex, which is the, I think the other guy um, he does, you know, like they, you know, he, they have this kind of like you know tension and distance from each other you know because of you know, because of these things you know because of some of the stuff you mentioned that mark thinks he's superior and you know but i mean it's funny you know like even with all that confidence and all that uh you know superiority he's still in the you know his his lot in life has not changed it hasn't gotten better if anything it's gotten worse you know he gets further into debt and further into problems and you know not just uh with his movie but um you know his personal life you know like he has three kids and you know his uh girlfriend uh or his ex-girlfriend wants to take you know the kids away and you know i i mean i i can't even I don't think the film shows whether he's a good or, or bad dad, you know, like I can't really right. tell like whether he's a great father or he's, he's a bad father, you know, cause he's, he, he showed his kids apocalypse now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I yeah, I, you know, that that's, that's probably crazy to some people, but you know, I don't think that that's that bad, but, uh, yeah. but, but in the sense of like, you know, he no, I was a, just like, saying that, yeah, that's a gauge of like, um, you know, of, like, well, think, of, you know, where yeah. you stand with apocalypse now. Yeah. Right. Cause I don't think it's bad either. Yeah. You know, 
but I think I think he he is a selfish person though because oh, yeah. his his dreams go above like whether you know he's going to you know he'd rather spend money on his movie and go into debt than you know probably do stuff for his kids you know or like drink you know like um you know he yeah. he would often you know get uh you know blitzed and to tie it back to Mike you know Mike was a big you know drinker drug addict and you know he had you know a situation that happened that basically turned his life around and you know he became sober yeah um, but you know him and him and my, you know Mike kind of you know jabs him a little bit about it you know every now and then you know when yeah he, and he says, like didn't they first bond because you know yes. uh, Mike was saying they he found somebody he could drink vodka with <laughs> yeah 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 that was that yeah. was a thing yeah they yeah. Uh, everybody that they hung around with just wanted to drink beer and and uh, Mike liked to drink vodka and so um, <laughs> yeah vodka's so, my drink of choice too actually so <laughs> so yeah yeah uh, Mark would drink vodka with them and so oh, uh, they, they became instant friends. Yeah, man. Oh, man, uh, just uh, talking about Mike again, though. Um, I actually knew somebody on a film set that was like Mike too. Like also similar style. Like he had the the stringy hair and then the um the kind of uh, goatee, semi goatee with the soul patch. Um, and yeah, man. Like it, there's always just a guy like that. Um, and he, you know, I shared the same sense of humor with him. Like, uh, I remember, you know, when we would uh, get catering, like he called like French fries heart attack stoppers, <laughs> it was, like stuff like that. Uh, it was just so good. And, you know, it, like he he was just a good friend to Mark, you know, because, you know, Mark oh, yeah. would just rub people the wrong way. Even, you know, his actors and so much of the tension of the movie is that it's just like. I mean, you feel bad um, when he's like trying to get this money out of his uncle, Bill, you know, who um, who still lives in a mobile home, but like somehow has like a quarter million dollars in the in his bank account. Right. Um, yeah. And it's just like, he, yeah, he, he's just like massaging everybody, but it's it's to his own like purpose. You know, it's always just like for him to benefit in the end, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but he's also very charming, you know. I mean, that's part of it. <laughs> that he's this charming guy. But you know, the the whole thing about him being smart and thinking that he's better than other people. What I've noticed the pattern is with even with people that I know in real life, um, is they don't really do much. You know, uh, they don't accomplish much in life because uh, they spend most of the time dreaming and thinking, and then you know, thinking about like harebrained schemes, like. The, this viewing that I had recently, you know, rewatching it, like I just realized how ridiculous it is that he thought that by making Coven, I love the way he pronounces it, by the way, um, is coven, like uh, Coven sounds too much like oven. Yeah, exactly. So it's got to be Coven. <laughs> Let's put uh, two dots on top of the O. Uh, <laughs> like uh, that, that was the way that he was going to raise money to make Northwestern. Instead of just like go ahead and make Northwestern because you're gonna spend money anyway. Because he, right. I love also how he keeps emphasizing that it's gonna be shot on 16 millimeter black <laughs> and white reversal film. Like he's gonna <laughs> bring that up every time. Yeah, um, yeah. I yeah, mean, he, he, his 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 whole scheme, like you were saying, was that he's gonna make this kind of this this other movie. He's gonna sell it, you know. Each each copy is gonna sell yeah. for X amount of VHS. dollars, and if he can get three three thousand people to do it, then he'll have enough money to make this this other movie, <laughs> which he ends up getting from his uh, his uncle, you know, when he, when he dies anyway. Yeah, 
exactly you know um so uh, just uh so crazy and then you know we see like um they show archival footage of his other work and then mm-hmm. you know sometimes it would have a parenthesis it would say unfinished right <laughs> or like it wouldn't have any sound you know it would be a silent horror film um you know and th- there is this kind of in- inspired energy about these movies you know especially when you see like the kills in them and i mean you know the standout scene in the making of is the the bashing of the head into yeah. the, the cupboard door <laughs> like how the first few attempts the door wouldn't break is just oh yeah because they didn't score it they didn't score it enough <laughs> and uh it was like too thick and and yeah he actually talks about in the commentary how he felt bad for that that actor i think his name is tom yeah uh, because uh you know they basically he rams his head into the into the door a couple times and you know it doesn't break it doesn't budge at all and um <laughs> he actually jokes about uh, um he didn't even think about like when his head goes through there's pipes there right you know oh, like that are underneath the yeah. sink so you know he can't you know he wasn't even thinking about like well if i pushed him too much you know he'd hit the pipes and of course those aren't gonna budge you know, <laughs> it's just gonna be hitting you know this this metal yeah, and this then, copper you know potentially if tom wasn't such a stand-up guy for him like he could have sued him for mm-hmm. injuring him and then you right. owe even more money it's just like man he's just not thinking it through it's just like these harebrained schemes and you know i'm, I'm saying this and like it's easy to like Monday morning quarterback and hindsight 50, 50, 2020 type of yeah. thing. But like, uh, I'm saying this to the point that I'm also like that, but like, sometimes I, I think about like roundabout solutions to things. And then like later on, I realize oh, there was like a more straightforward way of doing it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, it's just, I guess my, the way I'm wired, like I just think of things and, it's it's always abstract um and uh yeah so uh, there's definitely parts of me that can relate to uh to mark as well um uh, i mean i'm not as persuasive as he is but you know i mean there is that that energy of like wanting to to do something and really you know no matter what it takes uh <laughs> I mean, and... I'll give the devil his due. I mean, he he did, you know, he did do, you know, uh, Coven and, 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 you know, he's continued to, you know, uh, you know, pursue, um, you know, his, uh, I guess, dream and, and, you know, trying to do stuff. I'm sure he's probably still in debt and, yeah. you know, he, you know, he's not like living in a mansion or anything and be able to show his brother up. But, uh, you know, uh, there's something to be said, you know, for somebody that, you know, kind of chases their, you know, part of me is envious of that, you know, like, you know, right. You didn't, you didn't give up or you didn't, you know, you didn't, you didn't throw in the towel, you know, even though you've had so many failures, you just continue to be persistent and, and, yeah. you know, it, do what, it, do what you're going to do. Yeah. And it's ironic in a way that he, uh, he's had more of a career as an actor now right? than uh, a director. Cause I was looking up his IMDb and he's only really directed shorts Right. And uh, the most recent one was, uh, I think, called the Dundee Project. Did you see that one? Yeah. No, I haven't seen it, but I, mm-hmm. I saw it on the IMDb. Yeah. So he's just like playing bit parts mainly. And, you know, I mean, obviously, after the success of this documentary, um, uh, he he did like the talk show circuit and mm-hmm. he became a character and uh, on the talk shows. And um, uh, and I guess that can be considered successful. And um 
Uh, he was on a show that I really liked, uh, which got canceled this year. Um, uh, Joe Para talks with you, and he was in a couple of episodes of that, and it was great to see him. And you know, Joe Para talks with you is such a Midwestern show, so you know, it was great to have him show up in it. Uh, I think his character's name was uh, Gordy, and yeah, this documentary, the whole thing with it was that, um, it kind of started this trend of quirky character docs you know uh, i mean probably a precursor to it is uh roger and me michael moore's mm-hmm. first film but then you know you have like something like uh king of kong fistful of quarters have you seen that one yeah oh yeah i saw that in the theater yeah yeah i, I love yeah it. really enjoyable yeah. and you know um what's his name billy um yeah billy um <laughs> yeah billy mitchell yeah <laughs> Yeah, just um, hot, hot sauce king. Yeah, exactly. From Hollywood, Florida. Yeah, <laughs> that's the first time I ever heard that Hollywood existed in in Florida. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. From from that documentary, and you know, there there, there was like uh, contentions with that documentary about what was actually real. That it right, was actually right. like they fudged it to, to make it more compelling. But I haven't heard stories of that. I mean, the struggle is real in American movie like he the the financial struggle is just like brought up time and time again uh over the well, even even movie. even with chris and uh sarah you know the the director and you know i guess co-director if you want to say our yeah. you know contributor but uh they even talk about in the commentary that they they struggled you know they were at times you know financially kind of living you know moment to moment and and you know um you know, running out of financing, you know, trying to, you know, get another scrape up some more film so they can film, you know, um, more stuff because, you know, even Mark had told them at one point, I think that he was going to finish COVID in, uh, in, um, in like two weeks or something like that. And then, you know, again, it, I think their whole, the whole thing took about two years, uh, four years and all in all, you know, of them, you know, following them from, from, you know, beginning to like editing and, you know, finally getting the movie out, um, you know, it was like a four-year journey, but uh, yeah, they, wow. they struggled also, you know, with uh, at the same time that Mark was struggling, you know, to, to see like, you know, were they going to be able to ca- complete this movie and, and get the funding for it or be able to buy film or, you know, be able to capture these moments because they found out that, um, you know, if they just pick, picked and choose like when they would uh, film, they would miss a lot of things that they would hear about after. So then it became a choice of like, well, we want to tape everything so that we don't miss anything. And we can kind of pick out the the stuff that's uh, that kind of as uh, furthering the narrative and, you know, making it as charming of a movie as it is. Right. Yeah. I mean, they, they did manage to capture some great stuff. Um, oh, yeah. Despite that. But, yeah. But it, it is interesting that they, they made that choice because digital was kind of coming along already at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially with the dogma films that they they still decided to shoot it on film. And, you know, um, this is another movie that's curiously like not on Blu-ray, hasn't gotten like a remaster. So it's hard to find like a, a good looking copy of it. Um, but I, I do have a pretty decent copy of it. And you can see how nice the, the film stock they used was. And I kept on thinking about that, too. It's like they're footage of the head bashing into the the cupboard door looks so much better than it does on the on the black and white 30, uh, 16 millimeter reversal <laughs> right <laughs> you know so it's like yeah and the, yeah, the the irony is not lost i think in terms of 
just how much better the documentary looks than uh, Mark's films, but also that, you know, how it was sold at Sundance. Uh, you know the story behind it? A uh, little bit, but yeah, I know. I know it was sold for. Uh, it won the with the grand jury prize, and yeah, yeah, it was uh, you know a, a hit for them. Yeah, because um, uh, one of the things too, they they actually benefited from uh, Blair Witch Project because um, that year, ninety nine, um, uh, Blair Witch Project, there was like a bidding war for that movie, and um, uh, because you know it was adjacent to it, and then uh, with it winning. A prize like Chris Smith was talking about, like how the the bidding war just like inflated the price like ten times what it was the original offer was. So they ended up selling it for a million, and that's the part where the story ends because I'm just like, okay, so you got a million dollars for this, and then what happens next? Because you know, obviously, Mark is still struggling, and I, you know, you just mentioned they were also struggling, but that probably bailed them out. You know, yeah, I mean, there, there's no, you know, again, I don't know. They didn't go into the details of, uh, you know, how much, uh, you know, debt they had uh, furthered themselves in. And, you know, when something gets sold for a million dollars, it's not like they, they're going to give them a, a million dollar check. You know, there's right. there's all kinds of things that are attached to that. Right. You know, like for as sure. far as as far as like, you know, taxes, of course. Right. You know, like yeah. maybe they're getting half of that and, you know, and then they got to pay for, you know, probably their next project and, and yeah. whatnot. And actually, he's actually carved out a pretty pretty uh chris in particular has carved off a pretty good uh, career for himself you know he has a yeah. uh, a bunch of movies that uh, that i've seen that he's directed uh, that are in that uh, kind of documentary genre um you know most notably uh, um the fire festival one. oh i still have to see that and well i saw both there's the hulu one and then there's the um the other one there's two that came out at about the same time right yeah and know. his one is the one that's just titled fire right right just with the Y. Yeah, yeah. just tired of fire. Um, yeah, I, I want to watch that. Yeah, because I was looking up his his career afterwards, and you know, I I heard him pop up every now and then. Like I heard the pool was very good. Um, and then uh, uh, what was the other thing that he worked on? Um, that I'm blanking on right now. But you know, Jim, I guess Jim and Andy, the great. Oh Beyond yes, that's did. right. Yeah, I want to see that too. Um, but the I mean, you know the. This is probably like where the the quirky character doc like takes the dark ed, you know the dark turn mm-hmm. and it really peaked you know because it was the pandemic and you know everybody was shut shut in so it came out just at the right time Tiger King he was a executive right. producer on it right right yeah so uh, <laughs> you know he did that that paved the way and um I think uh Where's Joe Exotic from? Um, I, I'm blanking now, but um, but yeah, like it, it's almost like Joe Exotic wouldn't you know not exist without for Mark Borchardt, even though you know in reality he would have existed anyway. Right. <laughs> but yeah, he kind of paved the way in the documentary world for that. Um, but yeah, it's just uh, yeah, it, it's it's fascinating how their careers went um after this because you know there's a documentarian making a movie about a struggling filmmaker the documentarian uh ha- ends up having a career and the struggling filmmaker has only made shorts and acted in a few things you know well i mean the, i think it what it what it goes to show you is that it's not just about desire but you have to have some type of uh, skill set right you know right like- 
just because he wants to be a director and just because he has all these ideas and he talks, you know, maybe knowledgeably about this stuff and uh, doesn't mean that that makes him a good, you know, director. Or So, yeah, you were talking about, um, you know, the we were talking about the contrast uh, between Chris Smith and, and Mark Borchardt as, as these dual filmmakers. And, you know, you mentioned school putting you in debt and stuff. That is kind of what the difference is between the two of them, because uh, Chris Smith did actually go to film school and Mark is self-taught. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's 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 passion based. And, (laughs) you know, Chris is, you know, has uh, and again, I don't think I think Mark has some knowledge, but it's, you know, the application of that knowledge, right? You know, being able to, you know, uh, rally the troops and, you know, you know, being able to have a budget and, you know, have everything kind of in its right place. I mean, Mark was basically relying on all his friends, his family to, you know, kind of support him as far as, uh, you know, supporting players or holding the boom mic or making sure everybody has brown gloves or whatever, you know, (laughs) sending out flyers, you know, so he's, he's relying on so many people um you know that maybe are are you could say are unreliable right you know right. like the, this is not their passion they're just helping out their friend yeah exactly and i mean i've i've had that issue in the past too because there there's this whole romantic ideal that it's like you want to discover like this hidden talent mm-hmm. you know with an amateur but yeah if if they're not there because they they want to make a movie like they're just there because you kind of like wrangled them into it like yeah they how do you expect them to stay or even like come back from like a shoot that you shot two years ago yeah (laughs) like you know you started it two years ago it's just like yeah people are gonna leave eventually or they're not gonna be the reliable they're gonna be late or they're not gonna give what you're expecting because you know one of my favorite lines in the doc is you know when he says they're making a mockery of my words, man. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like the 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 script is that good. <laughs> um, I, I mean, it, it's you know this 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 person that thinks you know obviously he thinks highly of himself and and what he's producing, but you know he's not grounded in reality of of mm-hmm. like hey you know you know, he even was talking about some of his influences or you see some of his books that he has, you know, these are you know, master filmmakers and, and this, this guy thinks that he can, he can achieve that, you know, someday, someday, you know, that's what he aspires to, but uh, you know, not everybody has it, you know, it's just, again, passion can only take you so far. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, sometimes it, it may even just drive you so much that, you know, you may luck into something, but you know when it's just like failure after failure you know it's not like coven was his first attempt or northwestern i mean northwestern was his first feature length but like the even when he was on like failing on the small scale with the short films you know like to have like an unfinished short film like that's saying something i mean you know there, there could have been technical difficulties with it but at the same time it's just like if you can't even build off that um and how are you expecting to like succeed on the you know the larger scale with the the feature film you know yeah i don't think he thinks that far ahead I think it's, just, <laughs> he, he, it's just about the now and and you know anything that's gonna get him from doing a kind of normal like he says factory job or you know a nine mm-hmm. to five job you know like 
that he I, I think he considers that a win you know and yeah. in, in the grand scheme of things yeah and um it, it's also just like sad to say that it, it could have also been that just the timing of everything for him was wrong you know that uh it, well with Blair Witch being as big of a movie and a hit that it was um that was it like you know and like a few years later you know paranormal activity comes out and it's a terrible movie but you know you can't deny you know it, it's like one of the most profitable movies ever made and I, I think the big difference though between Blair Witch and and you know what Mark is trying to do is that you know Blair Witch was uh, kind of had like a hook or had some type of um you know it was it was you know there was some mystery behind it like was this real is this not right. real is it you know this is a found footage movie you know and and so they had that kind of like you know i guess you can call it a you know a trick or, or or you know um uh divisive uh, yeah. uh thing but he's his is just a straight up you know movie you know just a straight up you know script about what do you say like an alcoholic uh, guy who's you know i think another you know a writer you know and then these crazy things happen to him but it's it's all been done before right it's right know, there's nothing yeah. different or, or something that's going to separate it from you know from anything else but blair witch or paranormal activity you know kind of you know right place right time you know use that you know found footage you know, kind of genre to like spark that, you know, spark that. And then, you know, just the mystery behind it, you know, the, the way that they marketed it and, and yeah. everything, you know, early it, days it, of internet, it, like that Blair Witch website was incredible. Like, right, exactly. Yeah. You know, so it's like, yeah. it's like, you know, they, a little bit of a touch of genius to, to yeah. get, you know, to get this, something like that to blow up. Yeah. It was so successful that the two directors, like, didn't even feel like they needed to make movies anymore after that. I, I know Eduardo Sanchez made like kind of an alien movie that's that sounded compelling, and I do want to eventually see it, even though it's kind of hard to come by. Uh, it's like a one word title, I forgot it, but it starts with A. I'm blanking, but um, but yeah, other than that, they were like, Yeah, we made millions off this, <laughs> like you know, they they even got paid the royalties for you know the the stupid sequel. And then um, the remake, did, yeah. Ty West make the remake, I think. I, I never even saw it, but uh, yeah, no. yeah. So it's just ridiculous, you know, how much money they made off that. Um, I mean, at that point, it doesn't have a hook for me, you know, to right. you know, to you know, like the first one did, where it was something different and something, you know, again, there was that mystery behind it, yeah. Uh, yeah, you already know what's going on, and you know we know that it it was all fake. So, right. um, but yeah, going back to the the whole thing of um uh the having a hook, um, again, Alex <laughs> so spot on. He says that in the documentary, he basically says like, you know, why are people gonna go out of their way to watch this? <laughs> right, <laughs> like spend two hours of their day to pay for a ticket or to buy the tape of, of, of Coven. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's like, yeah, he, he just was like on point. Like he should have listened to his brother. <laughs> I did. That's like, you know, that's Mark's ultimate, uh, you know, just demise or his, his worst case scenario would be listening to his brother because then that would mean his brother's right. And he's wrong. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, that, that's one thing that Mark won't concede except for his ex girlfriend, who's his baby mama. Who seems to have like you know knows how to push his buttons and like 
I mean, you know, it's his weakness. <laughs> That's really yeah. it, you know. Um, even though he he seems to have like found his ideal girl, we haven't even mentioned um, uh, what's her name, Jane, Joan, uh, Joan? Joan, yeah, Jane? Joan, um, yeah, Joan. Like, I love too the juxtaposition, like when they first introduce her and they're interviewing her, and she seems like you know she's smiling a lot and well put together. Do you remember what the background was while she's being interviewed? Like she's walking around. I just remember that she, I guess she, she helped and she worked on, on his movies. And then like they met that way and yeah. then they started a relationship, uh, you know? Oh no, I'm saying like the literal background, like what, what was around her, like her surroundings, like uh, when she was, uh, when they were interviewing yeah. her for the first time, I don't remember. It, it's very clever. So they, they put her in a junkyard. So it's all this trash everywhere. And like these cars that are like broken down. <laughs> oh, okay okay yeah. well so there, just... there is a scene where they they talked about this in the commentary where they were supposed to film at this bar and the they end up filming after it and it ended up being that like right before they were supposed to film it the bar had burned down oh and man so you see this basically behind this fence you see this you know destruction of this thing that basically caught on fire and i believe one of his friends um Ken uh, actually lived above that bar. And so, you know, this happened like literally like, I think I want to say a day or two before they were just going to film in that bar. Oh, that sucks. So I feel like that, that was also uh, in the background of, of uh, when they're, you know, interviewing Joan. Oh, okay. That makes sense. So it's a weird kind of just uh, uh, foreshadowing in a way, like the mess that she's about to get into. Right. Um, Yeah. Cause eventually she, she leaves him. Right. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. they they don't stay together at least uh, as far as I know. You know, they... yeah, because she she was already expressing concern about the kids, right? You know, I remember that. Like she was just saying, you know, when you get into a relationship with someone with kids, it's like they have those ties, and she kind of even just is implying that she he wants him to she wants him to like cut off that tie. Right, you know, it's just a a bizarre thing um but yeah it's just um yeah mark's a mess yeah he's just a hot mess it's the um another moment that i i like to highlight is the you know when he directly addresses chris like to the camera and he's he's obviously drunk and he's like what do you fucking think you know and then he takes right. a bite out of the turkey leg <laughs> <laughs> yeah he he uh he talks about this in the commentary also, you know, like how he was embarrassed by, um, you know, like, you know, when he would get, you know, basically drunk and then just start like, uh, you know, just going off on, on people and, and, uh, you know, just being, you know, what he says out of character, but, um, um, you know, I think he, he even, he did quit that they did give him credit for this. He did quit after that, um, that kind of confrontation that he had uh, what was it like Thanksgiving or the Super yeah. Bowl or whatever Thanksgiving yeah. um he ended up uh, quitting uh drinking you know um oh, nice. all the way until the until I think he's had a you know a couple of drinks you know like here and there um after you know Coven was finished and they did the premiere and everything you know so he he actually he actually did do that uh you know so much to uh Chris's uh delight uh you know but again I'm sure Chris you know part of it lo- him loved it because it you know, it showed uh, this, uh, you know, other side of Mark, you know, of, of like, uh, 
maybe why he isn't successful, you know, because he has this, uh, this, uh, uh, I don't want to call it addiction, but I mean, he, you know, he likes to uh, be inebriated and, and, and party a little bit and, you know, doesn't, you know, follow, th- follow through or some stuff. So, you know, that's kind of his, one of his cl- uh, crutches. Yeah. I mean, you know, another great line in, in the movie, movie camera in one hand, beer in the other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's uh, so many, there's so many good quotable lines in here and, uh, yeah. you know, you know, even from like, uh, from Mike, you know, when, uh, he's talking about, um, you know, his sobriety and he see, he does kind of like almost like a PSA where he says, uh, you know, um, something to the effect of like uh if you drink and do drugs then you always lose or you you oh yeah, yeah 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 because he talks about playing the lottery yeah which is right. again like you know um we're talking about recession like yeah. the lottery like it's almost half a billion for both of them uh right now and like that's really it it's like all these people like putting money in the lottery you know, buying these tickets, hoping that, you know, it can get them out of their financial, right. you know, struggles. And, you know, Mike is talking about that. It's just like, you know, if I if I lose, you know, it's just like 10 bucks. But, you know, if if I drink, I, I lose every time, you know. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, it's actually it's actually surprising how much Mike can uh, recall, you know, because you can tell like, you know, he's had some some bad experiences with drugs and alcohol and, right. and but he, he still has a pretty good memory about a, a lot of things. Um, but uh, one, one scene I did want to highlight is uh, maybe one of the all time best uh, scenes and screams in uh, movie history. When uh, yeah. Mike does his, uh, his scream, <laughs> uh, I, you know, it was just kind of like, I didn't expect that to come out of him. Right. And I think even Mark is like, you know, Oh my God, that was wicked. That was just like, you know, like mm. crazy. And even the director and, and, uh, um, and Sarah, the, the, you know, whatever co-director producer or whatever she even, they all kind of like joked about that. And they said like how it was so surprising that he did such a great scream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that was a surprise in the movie uh, for sure um yeah there's just so many great moments with him i mean you know, one i'd like to also highlight is the um uh when he he wins the lotto like he wins like 50 bucks <laughs> and the smile on his face when he comes into the room right. it's just so priceless yeah he, he i think he he said uh he actually they asked him about that in the commentary and he said uh he actually they didn't put it in the film but he actually won a thousand bucks one time oh wow. uh and uh and so then um sarah asked him and she's like well okay so you won a thousand bucks you won a 200 bucks you won 50 bucks but how much have you put into it and he said <laughs> right. he said he said oh that's you know i don't i don't really know and you know it, it's probably about you know probably a little bit on the negative side but you know it's, it's almost even you know he's like he's like i would win here and there but uh you know um yeah. goes back to his is this is the other thing, you know, it wasn't really hurting anybody. And um, he did have a, a, you know, again, an, an addiction. I think he even had like a, a sponsor for, for his gambling and, and whatnot, but uh, you know, they all kind of like make a little bit of fun of that. Uh, I think right. his sponsor used to drive him to go get tickets and stuff like that. So it's kind of yeah. funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fun. Like it was like he had one addiction and the sponsor had a different addiction. Right. So like they were kind of like one hand, you know, washes the other. Right. <laughs> and right. it's hilarious. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And it's funny that mentality too of like, you know, just winning 
something but like not thinking about like how much you've already spent a lot of my family right. members and not to put them on blast <laughs> have that mentality because they, they they do play the lot though you know a lot of them do and it's like yeah you've probably spent way more than ever anything you've ever won yeah this thing, right you know so it's like man you know because uh, yeah i'm sure some of them are playing now i mean it'd be great if they won because you know i mean hopefully they think of all of us and and give us like a million dollars each yeah <laughs> but my, even now, even a million dollars like you know yeah a million dollars is, isn't even what it used to be you know like yep. uh, you know you get half of that right and after taxes and yeah and uh you know you're still you know could you, you can even buy a, a home House, you know i mean yeah, you, exactly you could put a down a pretty good down payment but you'd still you know you know you'd still yeah. be about two hundred thousand dollars short of a nice house yeah i i could probably buy an apartment <laughs> a condo yeah, yeah exactly condo. uh no garage <laughs> yeah. uh which uh, i think is important um but yeah like yeah it's just um uh, it's just one of those things where yeah the lotto comes up a lot uh they you know mike likes to play the the scratch cards mm -hmm. you know um and yeah i mean if he had won it could never have happened to a better guy but Oh, you know, right. another sad thing. So, you know, um, he released his 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 music on like CD, like they were actually CDRs that he would sell, you know, like um, and they, they all had funny titles like they, it was just like something I know. So it would be like classical songs I know or songs yeah, he, I know. I, I think in, in the movie he does, a, um, you know, when he's blindfolded, he does. A, I think he says he does. A, he knows he knows two thirds of a Bach, uh, one of the Bach. Um, Nice. Uh, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, pieces. Yeah. Um, but that you know, he, he seems like he's you know he has an appreciation for that you know that type of music and right definitely has some skill there and uh, you know and you can tell that it makes him happy you know to to do that even when he they were showing pictures of him when he was young you know he's playing he had a guitar in his hand almost all the time yeah um, you know so I mean you know uh, seems that like he had a talent and you know for it and. I'm glad that he was able to, you know, provide this backing, um, you know, yeah. uh, soundtrack, you know, for it and get at least some notoriety from that. Yeah, because, uh, yeah, I don't think that the soundtrack of this movie has ever been released, um, like, on its yeah, own, like, on not. physical. Yeah, um, because it's great. Because uh, initially, it, what it sounds like, and you even see him, like, play it live, right, with the mic um, queued up uh, right in front of him and and it's like this kind of gentle and they use it very sparingly which i also like you know and then when it gets to the editing stage of the movie like it speeds up and it's like this really compelling like riff mm -hmm. um yeah it's just fantastic um but yeah what i, I believe i believe it's a, a metallica song fight fire with fire so but <laughs> yeah he's doing his uh like i guess acoustic version of that right and then yeah there's a part where like mark is on his case about like um you just ripped off a Black Sabbath uh, oh, yeah. song. <laughs> it's like, oh, I used I used just one word or, or yeah, something. like insane. And then he was like saying, you know, Mark, things come from somewhere, you know, yeah, like you're you, or you're this, you don't just pull an idea out of nowhere. <laughs> you're always going to be inspired by something else. <laughs> also and, on the commentary track, there's some a little bit of tension you can hear because uh, he brings it up when that scene comes up and uh, and Mark still uh, he kind of says uh, you know hey I, Mike I don't want to you know I don't want to bring this up but uh, you know you, you know that song I still think it's you know it sounds like uh, another song let and, it go man and you could tell you could tell uh, uh, Mike's not smiling you know he's just right kinda, you know 
again like how you say you know let it go you know like why why are you bringing this up you know yeah exactly Uh, why is uh, why is this important right so yeah i mean he has those cds and i think there was like an outtake i saw on youtube where um they showed like uh i guess the editing room and he has it on tape too so he had recorded all those uh tapes of of his his playing but this is the thing that that bugs me a lot is that you know every time somebody dies like you know there's always these shitty people who like sell their their stuff like for you know uh way overpriced prices like um there's a cdr of songs i know by mike shank on discogs right now as we speak and somebody's selling it for a thousand and i'm like come on man like you know what though you know what though uh, no probably nobody's gonna buy it and then yeah know, eventually it'll it'll level off right again supply and demand you know yeah yeah if, i mean if, it was if people pay those prices then people will keep on charging them but if right. nobody bites on it then that person will end yeah. eventually you know, yeah, that's the work. most frustrating thing about collecting vinyl is because it's just, um, you know, I've always been the kind of person who refuses to pay like those ridiculous prices. Like I always mm-hmm. try. I mean, you know, it, the hunt is part of the joy, you know, finding something for five bucks or right. And, you know, like getting a good deal on the expensive records. Uh, but yeah, like there's still people who are willing to pay those prices. That's the problem. And then that encourages. And I mean, Discogs is part of the problem. You know, because before Discogs, like uh, record stores just would price things relative to how they felt it was worth. Uh, Whereas now, like all record stores use like um, Discogs as like the gold standard where it's like, you know, where it's just some Joe Schmo putting a price on a record because he's the only person selling it. And then that becomes the basis of the price of the record for everybody else. And it's just like, fuck that, man, you know um but yeah that's just my little rant and yeah i just hate it when like artists die like they did the same thing when dmx passed and um mf doom like you know just a bunch of people just kind of jumping in trying to capitalize on yeah yeah it's just awful um but yeah uh i'm kind of uh (laughs) I guess because we're so late now uh, into the um, just some little details that I also enjoyed from the movie um, when they're recording the the ADR the one of the mics has a sock on it <laughs> do you yes, remember uh, yes I do remember this <laughs> and the sock is like placed on it so loosely too <laughs> right right I <laughs> uh, love that shit um yeah, um, Bill is, is also a great character. Uh, you know, again in this movie, he has a a, a few scenes where he's just kind of, you know, the the ultimate pessimist, and you know, just kind of like that'll be the day, and just you know, <laughs> even though even though Mark can you know is, is, seems to be the only one that can charm him, and and you know, and there is some some touching moments where Mark, you know, I think uh, bays him, and and you know, um, you know, right. kind of helps him out, so you can see, you know, he's not. Yeah. You know he he has he has uh, some some qualities to him that you know that he's willing to do do that you know for his uh, his uncle you know versus you know yeah the rest of the family is not as willing to do that right you know even though you know his intentions but the yeah. fact that he still goes those lengths like you know because right. obviously you know it's like your uncle you're he's naked in the bathtub and there's that funny bit where he's like trying to get him to put his legs back in the top right. he, I, I forgot what the uncle is saying but it was just something weird like i think he was fucking with mark 
Yeah, <laughs> just oh you know, yeah, um, he I think he was already kind of because they had some schnapps or something like that. So oh he, right, right, he, yeah, he that was, was you know one of, they were yeah. both they were both uh, you know inebriated. Ah so, uh, yeah. yeah, 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 that's right. Um, but yeah, the yeah Uncle Bill, such a great guy, uh, man, and I, I maybe refresh my memory. Do they discuss how he ended up with that money? They said that um, they talked about it in in the commentary and a little bit in the movie okay. that uh, that he he basically you know he was just like save up his money, um, wow. you know um, you know he was just very tight with his money. They actually um, he wouldn't let the uh, director um, light uh, light the uh, shots in the, in his um, his uh, mobile home uh-huh. yeah because it would u- use uh, electricity. <laughs> so he basically told them like you know you can't you can't use you know you can't use the phone and you can't you can't oh, plug in anything to you know the lights in here i i forbid it because you're gonna lo- use electricity okay. and i think you know mark was saying something like uh, you know his bill is like 12 dollars a month or something like that but <laughs> you know he basically he saved his money you know he was just very wow you know very uh you frugal. know tight with, yeah, yeah. frugal and tight with his money and and yeah. you know he just kept super on saving penny it. pincher kept on saving it and saving it and you know and and uh yeah you know, that's eventually... what you get you sit on a quarter million dollars <laughs> right yeah yeah just live in a mobile home you know <laughs> now that makes more sense actually that's why he opts for the mobile home living over actually having a house because yeah he, he gets to keep more of his money that way yeah but like yeah. they say you can't take it with you so exactly it's true so yeah, do you have any more uh, parting thoughts, Jacob, regarding American movie? No, just just uh, you know, I would say if if you haven't seen the movie, you know, um, and we haven't convinced you, you know, give it a shot. You know, I think it's a it's a charming movie with heart, and it's, it's you know really funny and just uh, you know, it's from a um, an era like you were talking about that probably you know you know was a start of something. Uh, as far as like these type of characters uh, even though they're real people but uh, um, I just you know I think it's it's a total rewatchable movie and and I was glad to you know revisit it but uh, you know yeah give it a shot and um, and uh, I think you'll be uh, pleasantly surprised yeah absolutely and I mean um, for aspiring filmmakers I feel like it's it's a good cautionary tale right yes <laughs> um and uh you know it's, it's not just like uh, getting your friends together and make a movie and you know it's all gonna work out like there right. is definitely i mean I, I started to think about it as actually as we were discussing it that maybe that is something that i i wrote off about film school that's uh, kind of underrated is that they do also teach you the the business of it of just right. like you know um how to gather funding and you know even just depending on the school you went to how those credentials can lead you to like, you know, jobs within the industry, right. Networking Um, and connections. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I know people who have graduated from NYU film school and have worked on big projects, you know, it's like, I mean, there, I think uh, one thing that has changed though, is that it's no longer like, um, uh, what is that? Like, um, it, it's something that actually came up in the news recently because HBO closed their, uh, or Warner brothers closed their program for it. It's like the, the fast tracking or whatever it is, where it's mm-hmm. like you, you go from like a PA to, you know, an editor to a cinematographer, to a director or whatever it is, or uh, assistant director to a director. Um, like it, it no longer works that way. Like you can just basically be stuck in a position 
for years. Like, um, you know, I have a friend, um, uh, I don't want to mention their name, but he's probably mentioned it uh, on record somewhere. But yeah, he's just been an assistant editor. <laughs> like, that's how he makes a living. You know, I mean, it pays well. Um, but like, you know, he obviously has ambitions beyond being an assistant editor. Um, so it's probably but, not going to come through this job, through these connections. He's just going to have to be able to do it on. His yeah. Own, I mean, yeah. On you, side. Yeah, exactly. It's like you um, you can get into the industry like that. That's still a feasible thing. But like actually becoming the person, you know, if, if your aspirations are to become the director, um, that that's just more difficult. Like, yeah, I mean, I guess that would be the way to, to go about it now is just like uh, kind of treating it the same way you do with um. Uh, how these other directors got started where they just had a day job and then they used whatever money they made from the day job to fund their film. Uh, it's just ironic in a way that, you know, you have like this film job <laughs> um, and you're going to use it to to fund your own work. But, you know, it, it, that's not something that's a new idea. I mean, you know, Cassavetes did that to fund his own work. Like he took up acting jobs, you know, just so he could fund uh, faces. And, and I mean, a lot of it, you know, um, you know, it has to do with, um, you know, just, uh, um, you know, timing and, and just circumstances and right. you know, some people are, are a vic- victim of their, the error that they, they came in and, you know, at, you know, so, you know, back in the days, independent uh, film was flourishing, you know, and a lot of yeah. studios were bidding, you know, left and right for it. But now we're in this, in this time, I think that the independent movie is, is very, it's almost like extinct, you know, more studios are focused on the big, you know, big budget, big, you know, big return kind of movies, Yeah, um, you know, that are connected to some type of property versus like original ideas and, and, you know, um, and those type of things. So, you know, in, in a way, I think, you know, independent movies have taken a backward step, Yeah, uh, you know, versus like how it was in like the, the nineties. Yeah. And uh, a lot of the directors from the nineties ended up becoming like TV directors, you know, they just ended up being either like, um, journeyman type where they just come in and direct a couple of episodes and i'm sure that pays well for them Mm -hmm. you know um but at the same time yeah they're just not doing anything creative and then you know it, it, it it's just like the same way like you know your conditioning like fitness like i feel like with creative things you gotta keep doing it you know if you don't if you stop at a certain point like you know it's just how do you expect yeah yeah you're you're how do you expect to just come back and i mean that was one of the things i always loved about like this filmmaking group that i was a part of where they were saying like filmmakers don't really practice their art on a regular basis the same way other artists do you know like you can write every day you could paint every day you can play music every day but film it's just like you know it's always like this kind of massive thing that you need to get off the ground so they um they encourage us to do this thing called um sketchbooks which is like basically you just make some little thing and you know it doesn't have to be like something that you have to like write thoroughly like it can be just like you want to experiment with light like you want to see how light moves from one side to the other you know and just do like a little sketchbook like that you know and they would even add like kind of dogma type rules (laughs) Mm -hmm. for it which made it fun uh, I really miss those days. Um, I should go get back to that. Like, yeah, this is one of the things that I guess was my my biggest takeaway from the movie because I I can relate to Mark on on certain levels. Like, I I do have a movie that 
I started in 2015 and I still haven't finished. <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, and I, I keep thinking I'll just have this moment because uh, it's happened to me before with other movies where I um, it's just one day I sit down and like I can just finish it, you know, like and just edit it. But this one, it just has so many parts to it that it just like I have to go through it bit by bit. And, you know, there's certain parts that I have finished, but, you know, the overall movie like it's it's going to take a while. Um, especially because yeah, I'm I'm working alone. I don't have an editor to like just help me edit it. So it's mm-hmm. just me on my own. But yeah, I can definitely relate to that. And you know, I'm there's a part of me that's just like I just want to move on, or maybe like I can just put this away for a while and then you know just start something new. Um, and I I'm leaning more and more towards that because you know just dwelling on it for so long, like you know, it's just you have to um, eventually just let go. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's also, you know, I think film is, is, is a little bit different than like, you know, being a painter or a writer or whatever, because there's so many other like film in, in itself, like making a film, there's so many aspects, you know, to it, you know, there's the sound, right. there's the, you know, the script, there's the, you know, the actors or, you know, there's all, it's almost like a team sport versus a, you know, if I'm a painter or I'm a, a songwriter or, or even just a, a, a novelist, it's yeah, almost it's like, like being a, a like golfer. A, yeah, or yeah, a single, player. single, single person sport, right? Yeah. You know, you know, you're just relying on yourself and, and that, but with film, because you know we're not in the silent era anymore and it's you know there's you know there's so many you know other right. aspects that come into play it makes it that much more difficult you know or yeah. more of a challenge yeah for sure i mean but that's also what makes it beautiful is the right. collaboration you know like uh, there's you know you hear this time and again like the stories of of how um you know there there's things that the, the filmmakers didn't originally see um right. that uh yeah that their collaborators helped them uh, realize so yeah uh okay so i guess uh yeah that that should wrap up this episode so jacob where do you want people to find you online um you can find me if you if you want uh i'm on twitter it's probably like the only you know i don't have a facebook or anything like that but twitter's you know the the thing i check maybe the most regularly okay. um and that's at uh, at jratm23 and i will be rage against uh, the machine <laughs> right, exactly rage against the machine and i will be posting you know um, you know about this stuff but uh i did a big cleanup on my twitter and you know because i don't even know how people did it you know like keeping up with you know if you have like two thousand people you're following in the timeline you know it, it would just yeah, so much man. stuff so i basically i cleaned everything up and i just kind of follow you know very small uh, groups of people and and uh, that way I can at least kind of engage a little bit more. So, but, you know, you can definitely reach out to me there and we can Sweet. talk uh, boxing, you know, film, uh, MMA. whatever. Yeah. And any, <laughs> anything, you know, I'm, I'm up oh, for anything. Yeah. That, that is something I should mention too, that we've discussed off record, like your predictions for fights, man, like is just crazy. Like, <laughs> like you have that kind of Robert De Niro casino, Ace <laughs> Rossi kind of uh, level of like knowing <laughs> the the factors is crazy, man. Oh, thanks, thanks. Yeah, yeah I, it, I, I I try, you know. So, yeah, some, you know, sometimes I get it really wrong, but uh, most of the time, you know. Yeah, I, you're pretty good, man. I mean, if if, if they ever legalize a fan duel, and um, <laughs> what's the other one? Um, Draft DraftKings King. in California. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm I'm consulting you. <laughs> <laughs> sounds good 
All right, man. Yeah. So you, uh, everybody can find us on movie food pod, uh, on Twitter. Uh, we're on there and yeah, uh, you can find Jacob as well. We follow him, um, on our pod. I'm Carlo Kino. And yeah, speaking of cleaning up, like, yeah, I, I, I started this new Twitter and yeah, it's just so much more refreshing. Like I'm only following 15 people, 15 mutuals, and that's all I need. Like, that's it. I don't feel the need to follow anybody else. Um, I get all my, my Twitter content from that, you know? So, cause you know, even people that don't follow me back, um, I see them like being retweeted. Like I mentioned, like, um, uh, John Frankensteiner and even the pink smoke guys, you know, because Marcus follows them or you've, you've also followed them. Like, you know, I, I just see those and Bill too, uh, Bill Scurry. So, um, yeah, that's all you really need. You don't need to be following thousands of people on Twitter. That's, you know. Yeah, it's crazy. And I'll, I'll say also, um, you know, help help the show out. You know, Movie Foods a, is, a, is a good good podcast. They have a Patreon, you know. You oh, thank can, you. You, you <laughs> help out there and, any any little bit. And also leave a, a rating and review on uh, iTunes. You know, that, oh, thanks, uh, man. Yeah. Helps. Yeah, it's weird because like uh, Steve is the housekeeping guy on, on the show. So that's why it's weird when we split and I do the episode solo because... Um, uh, I tend to forget these things. Like I just tend to just do. I mean, I think on Brandon's episode, I didn't even mention like, oh, where do people want to find you? It's just like, uh, or I don't even welcome like uh, the audience, the listeners. Right. I was just like, yeah, let's just start the convo and record. <laughs> uh, but yeah, thanks for reminding all of those. And yeah, we really appreciate your support. Um, yeah, and I'm definitely looking forward to your your post promoting this episode. It's gonna be good. So nice. Excited. All right, man. Mm-hmm.